Hello and welcome to the Album of the Week Club. Each week we take a look at a legendary album through the lenses of three people with differing levels of musical knowledge. Does listening to and analysing albums make us appreciate them more? And will it open our eyes to a whole new world of music? Well, let's meet our hosts. I'm Martin McDonnell, our resident expert in classic rock, alternative and indie music. Basically all the stuff with guitars in them. I'm also a former music journalist who owns over 500 albums on vinyl. So, I might just be qualified for this task. Following Snap at My Heels is Harry Heath, direct from Sweden. Harry is a big indie head with more eclectic taste than myself and will hopefully keep me up to date with anything that's been released this century. How are we, Harry? Hello. Yeah. Um, obviously, I like a lot of indie music nowadays and may listen to that, like new releases, but back in the day, I used to listen to a lot of classic and Beatles were top of my list, so... As we'll find out, this might be interesting. This could be an interesting one, yeah. And in the darkened corner of the room is a man who thought the Human League was an East European football competition. <laughs> a man who thought Cheap Trick was someone who you found down an alleyway at 3am. He's our resident music dog dunce. It's David Wiley. How are we, David? Uh, yeah, I'm okay. I had a tough morning. Oh, do tell. Yeah, it seems uh, like the right place. Oh, this, um, yeah, so uh, we need a table for our lounge. Uh, and I wanted to get one that fit with our kitchen door is just permanently open. I needed right. one that was slightly slanted. But every single table I could find was either rectangular or circular or like oval shaped. Hmm. Where were you looking? Nothing. No, like, I, I mean, ideally, I would have wanted a parallelogram, but <laughs> apparently not. And then, I, and then I searched for a rhombus table, but apparently rhombus is like a brand of furniture oh. designers. And the one thing they don't do is a rhombus-shaped table. So I'm very annoyed. It's very misleading. Yeah, very much so. They do a hexagon table. Didn't need a hexagon table, though. So it would be called a Vombus hexagon table. Uh, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> it was a very strange morning, but I didn't find what I was looking for. So, hmm. I mean, to be honest with you, most of my, especially like dining room style furnishings, just come from secondhand stores. So I just take what I get. <laughs> no, that's fair enough. Um, honestly, if I went to a secondhand store, I'd probably have more luck finding oddly shaped tables. <laughs> If anyone's got a sort of rhombus-shaped table, maybe 60 centimetres by 60 centimetres, that'd be perfect. Just let me know. <laughs> hit me hit me up on Facebook Marketplace or something. 60 centimetres by 60 centimetres? Yeah, no, quite a small one I need. Yeah, oh, that's not even so a meter. It's like a coffee table. It's like a side yeah. table. <laughs> yeah, it's, no, side table is the perfect word for it. <laughs> but anyway... Um... <laughs> Shall we go into this week's album? Yeah, absolutely. I, th uh, I think we're going to need to get cracking pretty yeah, quickly Yeah, we, we are going to have to just bulldoze through this because there's a lot of background. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so this week we are taking a dive into Paul McCartney's self-titled solo debut album. Um, and as I say, bear with me because there is a lot of background here. You know, this is potentially going to be a long show. It's Paul McCartney. <laughs> no, my my biggest question is is there actually more background to this one than on say a different album or is it just that you know more of it 
Um, or is, or is... are we are we going to go bitter both? Oh, it's it's well, more yeah. like it's the end. So of at this hour. at this point in the intros, there is definitely a lot to cover. Um, you know, and then I suppose whatever we talk about later is just down to how nerdy I want to be. <laughs> <laughs> but at this point, I think that you know people might disagree. Of course, you know. Um, but there's certain things I think need to be kind of mentioned at least to give context to where the album sits. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Uh, so the album was released on the 17th of April, 1970. So at the time of recording this, we're literally just a smidge off its 51st anniversary. Yeah, we are. It's the 15th today, isn't it? Indeed. Yeah. You won. Uh, so yeah, so it, years old. <laughs> so it was recorded in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I don't even know what like that anniversary would be if you like, you know. Uh, it's 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 gold, but wrapped in paper. Ooh, <laughs> is it nice paper? Well, you can it can be as nice it's supposed as you to be, want. Yeah, like proper stationery, isn't it? That's like yeah, your, yeah, paper anniversary, I suppose. Yeah, you could you could write a letter to your gran on it. Let's let's say that. Yeah. Monogram on the top. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's fifty first anniversary in case anybody's got any upcoming weddings or something. <laughs> anyway, um yeah, so it was recorded in secrecy by McCartney amid ongoing tensions in the band, which eventually led to the breakup of the Beatles. Uh, McCartney, with the exception of some Linda McCartney vocals, is the sole contributor to this record, having recorded and produced all of the instruments himself. Um, Of course, it was not his first public outing as a drummer because he played uh, drums on some of the tracks on the White Album, including back in the USSR. Yeah, Dear Prudence, right? I believe so, yes. Uh, So, you know, he's a competent enough drummer. Um, Competent enough? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I mean, it depends what you're looking for. Um, I mean, Ringo never really showed off, per se. He would be like a pretty restrained drummer. He would serve the song. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, there's the old joke um, quote um, that, you know, they were asked, you know, um, is Ringo the best drummer in the world? And one of them, it's usually attributed to John, uh, turned around and said he's not even the best drummer in the Beatles. Which is a pretty high um, level standard to, like, <laughs> level it up against. Yeah. But, I mean, to be fair, by all accounts, that quote is actually a fake quote. Mm. Um I've I've tried over the years to find like where what interview that quote came from and things like that and it it doesn't seem to exist. Yeah. It seems to be a bit of a paraphrasing of something else that was said. Um and people have just spun the quote into that. I mean they they were known to be pretty like comical for band standards and self-mocking yeah. and that so exactly. it's easy That's to believe. They, yeah. they had they had a cheeky side. Yeah. Yeah. Cheeky I mean voice. what I'd argue with Ringo um, it's like how he said, he's not the flashiest of drummers in the world, but he could, he knows the perfect tone, if you want to call it that, um, to place as a drummer in a song. Yeah. He knows he's very dedicated. He's very dedicated to his, uh, he's dedicated to his fans as well. Yeah. He's going to make sure that he's going to reply to every single one of his fan letters. <laughs> I think you should say that, Wiley. <laughs> About 10 years ago, he quite famously released a YouTube video where he asked for no more fan mail. 
Wiley, of course, just for those who aren't as big on The Simpsons as us, is referring to um, a um, episode quite early era Simpsons, I believe. Yeah, early Brush, era, definitely. Um, yeah, first few uh, seasons. I think so. Mar- Marge gets back into painting because that's correct. Yeah, yeah, um, and um, she sent a painting to Ringo Starr, and he finally gets around to responding to it. Yeah, and the whole he puts, joke he is, puts it on his wall. <laughs> yeah, the whole joke is the butler going, um, you know, I commend your dedication to the fans, but uh, you know, shouldn't you give this a rest? And he's yeah. like, not until I've got through every last one of these letters. They took the time to write to me. But yeah, um, the album we're discussing today uh, reached number two in the UK and number one in the US, and Ooh, at nice. the time it. Re- got quite a negative reaction um yep. maybe because of the context that is released into i think um, there will be a lot of context in there yeah is this is this sort of critical reception mm. or just in terms of this is listeners mainly like, critical reception <laughs> like a lot but, of people listen to it but they really didn't like it um i think yeah. when we're talking about negative reception we're mainly talking critical but yeah mm. but they also had a lot the, of the hype fans to live do up have to. that sort yeah. of view as well um, but as I say, in the last maybe 20 years in particular, 10 years, um, it's definitely kind of been reappraised as one of the first big lo-fi records. Um, in the 70s in particular, you sort of had a bit of a spell of big artists um, stripping back on their like recordings and mm. sort of just going back to basics a little bit. Um, so people like Neil Young, for instance, um, Bruce Springsteen with his, uh, Nebraska, Nebraska album. Yes. Good cracking album. album. Um, you know, so this was probably one of the first to sort of really go down that route. It kind of became um, his own as a result, genre it has as well. A bit of a, like, yeah. A lot of modern artists of, like Newt or Milk Hotel, stuff like that. Yeah. Thinking Kurt Vile as well. He does it a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Mountain Goats. Very huge as well. Yeah. Um, But anyway, uh, so those uh, Beatles tensions that I alluded to earlier, you ask, well, here we go. (laughs) (laughs) Strap yourselves in, boys. Take a deep breath, Martin. (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to need to. Uh, After the death of Brian Epstein in 1967, McCartney de facto took over the running of the Beatles as a creative entity. It became apparent after the failure of Apple Corps to generate income that they needed to get in a business manager. Lennon brought forward Alan Klein, who had managed the Rolling Stones. Lennon was impressed in particular at the way Klein had renegotiated the Stones' recording contracts to the extent that they were being paid more by their label than the Beatles were by theirs as early into the Stones' career as 1965. Um, He, however, fell out with the band in 1968 after making continued grabs at profit participations and song publishing rights. Um, as a result of this, most of the early Stone songs are owned by Klein's Abco company and not the band. Uh, oh. Klein even went as far as suing the Rolling Stones for songs that they released after they left Abco, mm. claiming that those songs were composed during their time under ownership by Abco. <laughs> okay, so when like the Verve had problems with Bittersweet Symphony, it was like because it was Abco. of that management. Yeah, okay. Exactly. Um, McCartney was well aware of Klein's reputation and thus sought to bring in Lee Eastman, who was uh, the father of his wife, Linda. Uh, Somewhat ironically as well, the Eastman family actually changed their name from Epstein 
a few years um, prior. <laughs> so confusing. So, yeah, um, if they hadn't have changed their names to sound uh, less Jewish, uh, they would have been, he would have been managed by another Epstein. Um, the rest of the band uh, voted against McCartney, and thus he refused to budge um, with a bit of stubbornness. Um, so basically, three quarters of the group were represented by Klein, while Eastman represented McCartney. Um, McCartney how, does that, the, how does that work? It doesn't. It doesn't, <laughs> okay. that's the thing. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, so yeah, a bit, in a bit of a half. Um, I suppose McCartney decided to stay away from day-to-day um, operations at Apple Records, so he wouldn't turn in at the Apple offices, um, which was a bit weird because previously he'd probably been the biggest champion, especially in regards to artist involvement. So he'd been producing artists like Mary Hopkins. Mm-hmm. Um, he'd been giving songs to Badfinger, um, among others, and suddenly he's not there. Yeah, he seems like the most business thinking or leaning sort of um, member yeah. of the band. But basically, as soon as Klein came in, he was just like, I'm fucking this off now. And um, that was probably the first sort of real kind of indicator that mm. Apple wasn't going to succeed if the Beatles broke up. So this was like um, early 1969? That's correct, yeah. Cool. Yeah, sorry, I'll keep going because we've got a lot. And while this was all going on, Lennon in particular was getting more and more disillusioned by being in the bands and having experienced a greater freedom through his relationship with Yoko than he had at any other point in his celebrity life. Um, he decided that he wanted a divorce from the band, uh, which that's, was something that's, that he announced. Most, most people will, will claim that's the reason the Beatles broke up, I think. The gods yes. of that. So, yeah. I, th- yeah. I think there's a lot more behind it by the sounds of it. <laughs> So, um, yeah, to put it very simply, uh, Lennon turned up at an Apple board meeting and told the rest of the band that he wanted a divorce. Mm. Um, It was agreed to keep that fact quiet until the band had wound up operations, uh, mainly because Alan Klein was still at that time in the process of renegotiating their contracts. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, for for um, I know there's like a lot of um, tensions in the band as well, like um, with like how much songs people could contribute, especially after Abbey Road, Lennon was yeah. pushing and Harrison were pushing for like better representation while they're fighting against McCartney yeah. and songs. Well, that was the thing. Um, Lennon, in particular, you could argue if you look at the previous records, kind of let the side down. Um, in regards to what he brought in. So which one? So, I mean, the White Album in particular. Oh, okay. Um, I believe the weighting is slightly more towards McCartney. And McCartney brought in a lot more songs in the first place. Uh, Lennon's tended to be a bit patchier and a bit unfinished. Okay, I feel the opposite way. <laughs> so I feel like McCartney <laughs> had way too many songs on there and a lot of them were... Yeah, yeah, McCartney. Yeah, McCartney. <laughs> McCartney definitely had way too many songs um, across sort of anything from, say, Sergeant Pepper's onwards. Um, but that was because he was the one who was bothering to get out there and write the songs. Yeah, uh, um, Lennon, Lennon kind of had fatigue, you could say. Yeah, um, it should also be mentioned that um, around the time of the White Album, he was addicted to heroin. That's a so thing. that was somewhat taken over his life. 
Yeah. They are one and the same, Harry. They are one and the same. That's not oh, I'm not very good about okay. Japanese language, but okay. Uh, but anyway, uh, faced with the business conflicts and the pending disbandment of the group, uh, McCartney basically holed up in his London home, drinking and smoking pots in heavy quantities, and basically generally <laughs> abandoning any concept of personal care. When you like, say drinking and smoking pot, <laughs> is he wasn't drinking pot? No, okay, <laughs> he was okay. drinking lots of whiskey and smoking lots of pots. He had a family, um, though, right? And you already had kids, or no, he didn't have kids. Oh, at okay, point. that's later. All right, all right. Yeah. Um, when did Linda come into his life? This is what we're about to go into. <laughs> Get um, into basically, it now. fuck off. He basically <laughs> um, abandoned all of like his personal care. So the house was a state. He was a state. He wasn't like washing properly. He wasn't shaving, you know? Um, so Linda McCartney enter, um, Hello. had actually been on a few dates with Paul prior. They met, uh, in a photo shoot for magical mystery tour. Um, she came around to his house on a visit to London and walked into the scene and immediately just decided I'm going to take care of him. And, uh, <laughs> They were married for nearly 30 years, so it must have gone all right. Yeah. It's really convenient that she was surnamed McCartney already as well. Oh, she was uh, Linda Eastman. Okay. Just to be clear. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, so Linda and Paul uh, took off to um, Paul's remote farm in Campbelltown, Scotland, just off of the Millen of Kentire. Um, spent two months there, and um, it was during that period that McCartney's creative muse returned. And basically, he just gave EMI London a ring and said, can you send some recording equipment over? Um, which is where he started demoing the songs for the McCartney album. Yeah, just a four-tracker, right? Yeah. Uh, so, turned to London, decided, oh, I might do something with these songs, and basically started recording the album in his London home with a four-track recorder. Um, and then did some further recording and overdubs at Morgan Studios in February 1970 and Abbey Road in March of that year, um, which is where he basically, a lot of that was bouncing the four tracks onto eight tracks in order to clear himself more space over in order to do overdubs of pianos and drums. Yeah. Um, at the same time as all this was going on, um, the long gestated Let It Be album, which was actually recorded in early 79, <laughs> uh, was finally gearing itself for release after 69, our man. surely. Sorry? 69, surely. Yeah, it was recorded in early 69. Okay, yeah, that's so good. It's coming out now in 70. Yeah. Um, remixed by our man, Phil Spector. His Ooh. name's come up a few times already. Um, Ringo also had a solo album due with contributions by all of the band members. These things would cause problems. <laughs> wow. Uh, I love how like, uh, an album called Let It Be is like <laughs> coming and it's like this aggressive force in McCartney's life. It's just, like yes. a lot of irony in that. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, having agreed with Apple executive Neil Aspinall, um, who was one of the only people to know about the McCartney project. Um, basically, he had a chat with Neil and said, I've got an album, um, and they agreed it's coming out in mid-April. 
Once this was made knowledge to Klein and the rest of the band, they attempted to push the album back with the knowledge that Let It Be and Ringo's solo album would be coming out at roughly the same time. Um, McCartney sort of tried to hold his ground. And in the end, George Harrison actually backed Paul McCartney and gave him assurance as a director at Apple Records that McCartney would be released on April the 17th as planned. Mm. And over we go to Phil Spector again. Uh, turns out his work on Let It Be was due to finish ahead of schedule, thus the film and the soundtrack could get a simultaneous release on the 28th of April. Not wanting competition from another Beatles solo project, and probably conscious of selling the Beatles as a going concern for at least one more album, the band and Klein went back to McCartney to get the date changed. So when they sent Ringo in? Yes, it was. As said before, McCartney wasn't turning up at Apple HQ, so a letter was composed and a messenger was enlisted to deliver that letter to Paul McCartney personally. Enter Ringo. <laughs> let's just... R- Ringo, Ringo became a messenger boy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's just say it didn't end well. McCartney well, basically screamed at Ringo, I'll fucking finish you. At the future what? voice of Thomas the Tank Engine, he screamed, <laughs> I'll fucking finish you. Wait, he doesn't voice Thomas the Tank Engine. He does, he does he's the narrator. The, he's just yeah. the narrator. Yeah, yes. yeah, okay. Thomas has no voice. <laughs> he, is a, he is a mute engine. <laughs> With a yeah. face. <laughs> yeah. But Paul's basically like your average like one-liner villain just going, you'll pay for this sort of <laughs> yeah, stuff yeah. as well. Yeah. <laughs> I'll get you next time, Ringo. <laughs> So uh, long and short of it, Paul went ahead with the released, um, the scheduled release date for McCartney, and on April the 9th, it was a, he decided to release a self-written Q&A package uh, to the press to promote the album. He literally oh, wrote a Q&A with himself. Oh, no. Uh, the most incriminating lines from that Q&A are as follows. Uh, question, is it true that neither Alan Klein nor Abco have been nor will be in any way involved in the production, manufacturing, distribution, or promotion of this album? McCartney answers, not if I can help it. Uh, Question, did you miss the other Beatles and George Martin? Was there a moment, for example, when you thought, I wish Ringo was here for this break? Paul McCartney answers, no. (laughs) Question, assuming He doesn't even go into detail. He's just like, no. This is someone he's spent his whole life with for the last... 10 more years or so. <laughs> um, question. Assuming this is a very big hit album, will you do another? McCartney answers, even if it isn't, I will continue to do what I want when I want to. Question. Are you planning a new album or single with the Beatles? Answer. No. Question. Is this album a rest away from the Beatles or the start of a solo career? McCartney. Time will tell. Being a solo album means it's the start of a solo career, and not being done with the Beatles means it's a rest. So it's both. Question: Is your break from the Beatles temporary or person? Oh, so temporary or permanent due to personal differences or musical ones? Answer: Personal differences, business differences, musical differences, but most of all because I have a better time with my family. Temporary or permanent? I don't know. Question. Do you see a time when the Lennon-McCartney becomes an active songwriting partnership again? Answer, no. And like that, the Beatles were over. 
he really seems Jesus. like the villain in the Beatles situation. Yeah, he is. He is coming across like a bit of a dick at this you point. You know that a Mitchell and Webb sketch, and they're like, "Wait, are we the bad people?" Yeah, absolutely. But <laughs> <laughs> maybe that should have been one of the questions. Yeah. He definitely threw his toys well. out the pram. Oh yeah, a little bit. I think um, <laughs> there was a bit. I think it comes down to a little bit of rivalry, as we say. Um, John Lennon had actually left the band, mm. but. He was keeping it quiet until the appropriate time. And McCartney went, yeah. well, fuck you. I'm leaving the band and I'm going to be the first to let everyone know. <laughs> yeah. Everybody wanted to leave the band first. <laughs> but obviously, obviously George was, like, was ready. No, no, I'm leaving the band. Uh, it's also, um, it's a little bit earlier than this, but it's quite a funny story in my opinion. Um during the Let It Be sessions, there was a bit of a row with John Lennon and Yoko Ono um, on Paul McCartney's half this is, um, about some stolen sweets. <laughs> um, and it blew up into a bit of a bigger argument. Uh, so the next back my sherbet lemons. <laughs> so the next day, uh, McCartney decides not to turn up to the studio. Mm. And that is the so- adult thing to do. Yeah, and there's a bit of an urban myth um, that's never been entirely confirmed, um, which basically goes that uh, John Lennon decides to pay a visit to McCartney's house and throw a brick through his window. (laughs) (laughs) Um, There's a brilliantly bad um, biopic. It's like one of those Hallmark-style films called The Linda McCartney Story. Oh, yes. Um, there's a brilliant scene where it's like this really badly like acted and wardrobed John Lennon climbing over the fence and just going, fuck you, Paul, <laughs> just throwing a brick through the window. <laughs> it's a, like, and Paul just rushing out make... like, what the fuck do you think you're doing, man? <laughs> it's a, like, and yeah, he probably did sound more like a Geordie accent. Episode. Point that out. But yeah, Goodness. it was it's it's a terrible biopic, but it's one of those it's so bad it's good in some ways. Uh but yeah, um shall we crack on with the first track? Uh yeah, no, I think I think that was a a, a thorough introduction. Yeah, hopefully <laughs> that wasn't too rambling. <laughs> Does the context matter? But that's what we do ask. Yeah, well, yeah. well, now we're in Paul McCartney's headspace where you can appreciate yeah. the album more. Yeah. I mean, basically, I suppose, if you want to... The, the context I was trying to get across is that, in the public eye, at least, McCartney was the villain. Mm. He's the man who broke up the Beatles. Well, it's either him or Yoko Ono, because yes. that's obviously the gossip. Yeah, sort of, like, yeah of course, don't get me wrong. He still got to number two in the UK, though, so... Yeah, <laughs> but, but there was a lot of I hype. Say, yeah, a lot of hype. It's, it's a Beatle, for fuck's sake. Yeah. Um, but it should be said that pretty much every Beatles album charted at number one. Yeah. So even no, slipping down to number two um, was seen as a bit of a drop. You know what? I bet that stung McCartney as well. Mm. Like number, if, it, if he was like number five or six, it probably wouldn't hurt quite mm. as much as being number two. Well, it's exactly. like you've just missed out. But yeah, then obviously um, as soon as Let It Be came along, it deshelved it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Uh, But anyway, this is the lovely Linda.
That's going to be a bloody tricky one on the edit, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. We, because like, we, I've got to decide how much of that I include. But <laughs> if I include the first 30 seconds, I'm including about three quarters of the song. Is that going to trigger yeah. a copyright warning? <laughs> yeah. Last last time we had a track that was under a minute, we basically skipped over it. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to go into too much with this. Um, I, I think it's a kind of good indicator as to what certain parts of this album's going to be like. Yeah. You're going to yeah. get some he, sketchy he, he likes Linda. songs, you know. Yeah. Um, it's not going to be professionally recorded at every opportunity. Um, yeah. And they're going to be a bit homespun at times. Hmm. Yeah. It's, it's McCartney flexing his solo vibe. <laughs> yeah. I know one of the biggest criticisms of this album is to do with songs of this sort, where mm. some critics would argue that this is just an indicator that McCartney couldn't be even fucked to finish songs. He just had it in his head at this point that he could release anything and it would be a hit. True, to an extent. Sure. I disagree with parts of that statement, but I can see why that statement would be made by mm. dissenting voices. I guess there's also the uh, angle that, um, of retrospective versus like um, contemporary reviews would be like confused about the bedroom pop aesthetic, especially when it yeah. came from one of the biggest studio bands of all time. Mm. Especially when, as well, McCartney was seen as the main instigator behind their kind of studio boom, if you want to call it that. Yeah, he happened from Sgt. Peppers onwards. He was seen as Mr. Production. You know, he he was the man who came up with the concept of Sgt. Pepper. You know, he's the one who devised the medley on Abbey Road, and suddenly he's here with incomplete songs recorded roughly on a four-track recorder. With the main melody being la 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 la. Yeah, it's a it's it's simple as fuck. Um, I mean, this is actually recorded as a um equipment test. Hmm. So basically, the equipment comes in and he's like, "Well, I just need to quickly just test it all works." And yeah. this is the this is the take, uh, which is why you kind of hear that sort of laughter at the end. Yeah, interesting. You, you know, he's, he's only intending to play a quick little forty-second ditty, you know, to his wife for a bit of a laugh, and you know, obviously listen back to it and went, you know, what, this makes a good opening. Yeah. <laughs> See, I, I, yeah. I assumed like maybe he hadn't done the dishes the night before or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like his way of making up. To he's just trying to angle for some. Yeah, just but, like you know, it's his way of just going. McCartney's horny. <laughs> <laughs> but obviously, there's like a lot of to and fro in the Beatles solo careers, so maybe it's like a reply of sorts to um the Yoko Ono songs that Lennon would do a lot. Yeah, I mean, was there that many at this point? Um, I'm just trying to think. I mean, it's you had the ballad the of John, John yeah. Yoko, I suppose. Yeah. Um, but it's. It, I mean, obviously, at this. The main thing, I suppose, is that they've only been married um, about six months at this point, I believe. Mm. Um, it was a very quick marriage. Um, and he's already putting her name into an album of his own. 
Mm. Um, she appears on vocals at points on this album, and obviously she'd later be a member of Wings. Yeah, I guess it's so more he's, like Yoko. Uh, this, like this is a very early indicator eye. that she will be a public face within the McCartney brand, if you want to call it that. Yeah. Like, she's not going to be a background wife. She's getting a full time. Um, but I suppose as opposed to Yoko, who was a creative and a sort of muse, if you want to call it that, um, Linda was more of an enabler. <laughs> That's uh, like a lot more menacing word. That is very menacing. <laughs> Basically, yeah. whereas Yoko... It's like, oh, if Linda hadn't come along, McCartney would have stayed down. Just, <laughs> um, I don't mean it as much in that sense. What I mean is mm. um, she kind of offered up a freedom to McCartney, but didn't yeah. really push much ideas at him. Um, in the greatest sense, especially creatively for music. Um, it was more about um, McCartney saying, oh, I'd really love to go and do this. And Linda would go, let's do it then. <laughs> you know. I, she I, was I a yes yeah. girl. That's you know, for was. instance, McCartney <laughs> would say, you know, I'd, I'd love to go for just a long drive to nowhere, you know, take a little mm-hmm. road trip, um, which is something that would usually get discounted as an idea because of, McCartney being as famous as Paul McCartney is. Um, And Linda would go, yeah, let's get the car. Let's go. You know, (laughs) let's go and spend two months in a shack in Scotland. Yeah, why not? Let's go. She was always up for it. Watch our phrasing there. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yeah, it's as I say. What have we ever done that? I know, I know. Um, it should be said um, that there was a lot of hatred towards Linda McCartney at this point as well. Well, there would be. I, I, I imagine she's probably seen yeah. in a similar did, way. Did that people hate photographers then? Um, a lot of dissenting voices saw her as a glamorized groupie. Ooh. Um, I guess there's also the business part of it as well. Because yeah, as I say, how her father was born in, it sort of feels a little... Yeah, trying to bring in her dad into the equation, you know, so you, mm. you start opening up to allegations of nepotism. Um, but, I mean, there was a reputation that followed Linda around this point. It's kind of been forgotten now, you know, probably because of 30 years of marriage, you know, and the impact she, she's had in other areas for photography and uh, vegetarianism. <laughs> and I suppose <laughs> as a member of Wings as well. Um, but at this point, it was seen as a bit of a, oh, McCartney's just latched onto a groupie. Okay. Because she's been um, a band photographer and she's been she, in this sort yeah, of environment for a long she time. She photographed a lot of musicians. Um, and it, I don't think it's unfair to say that there's a lot of correlating evidence that she probably took a few of these musicians to bed. Okay. Yeah, I mean, um, it would strongly... make sense. Some of love and yeah, yeah, of course. enjoying being um, around bands and all that. I mean, one of Linda's former partners, um, another photographer who she was with at the time, um, stated that um, she once came back from a photo shoot and said, uh, "Mick Jagger's handed me his number. What should I do?" And you know, in the world of free love, 
uh, partner turned around and went, give him a fucking call. <laughs> So, um, I mean, I think the insinuation there we can take is that uh, she definitely slept with Mick Jagger at least. Isn't that like... I mean, to be honest with you... In Beatles. <laughs> I mean, to be honest with you, I think uh, if you're a, a woman of any stature in the 60s, you probably slept at Mick, with Mick Jagger at one point. Or if you're David Blo- Barry, a man. <laughs> Blowy. David Blowy. That's what he's called at night. <laughs> Uh, but no, um, as I say, it, it was free love, and it's hard to put into context now. I suppose it's just free love on uh, free love highway. Yeah, yeah, well, love I is get free, it. Yeah. So, um, um, before we get into nitty gritty, can we like yeah. establish our own relationships to the Beatles? Like, um, yeah, yeah. I don't know if I remember like showing Wiley some Beatles songs back in the day at uni, but I don't know how much you really listened. No, I don't. Yeah, I've, I've heard a few Beatles songs. I think I think there was an album at some point released that was like Beatles 1 or something. Oh, yeah, the collection of Which singles. I think is like a... I'm pretty sure that's a combination of all their bestsellers. Yeah, so the Beatles so 1... Lily, um, my wife listens to that yeah. sometimes. I mean, the Beatles so 1, just to paraphrase is a um, collection of every Beatles single that hit number one in either the US or the UK. Yeah, well, that, that makes sense. Um, so it's, I've, I've pretty much heard all of their best stuff then, you would say. Um, um, do you have a favourite? Oh, no, I don't have a favourite. Okay. What about you, Harry? Ooh, obviously I listen to absolutely everything and listen to yeah. the bootlegs and all that and anthology, whatever. Yeah, Even a bit like me, you're one of these guys who has a bit of a hard-on for anything Beatles. Yeah, I mean, I went through a phase in my life where I pretty much only listened to the Beatles. And yeah. that kind of stuck with me. <laughs> <laughs> obviously, I think they function better as a band as opposed to like, this is a George song, this is a Paul song sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, I think really the dynamic of the Beatles that made on the Beatles was these four people coming together. So when you talk yeah. about a favorite member, I think it mainly extends to the solo career. Um, yeah. And I would probably prefer Lennon and Harrison. Mm-hmm. Was um, is Sunny Afternoon a Beatles one? No, it's no, actually a, a shame, band cause... that we've covered. Ah, oh, that's Kinks, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I like. I like that. I think I'm probably prefer Kings to Beatles by the sounds of it. <laughs> um, probably yeah, sure. I mean, <laughs> I'm sure they will. Uh, just to very quickly go through, I suppose my relationship with the Beatles. Um, it's probably like Harry's. Hey, uh, can we do that very quickly? I, I'll do my best. Um, <laughs> just, I just mean, do the liner notes. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, basically, it's it's the same as Harry's, but probably, like, accelerated or, you know, what you're going to call expanded by about 10 times. Yeah, I mean, I only started when I was 18. For you, it's been more your life. Yeah, essentially. Um, it was, I think it's like my um, seventh or eighth uh, birthday. Um, in essence, my granddad bought me a CD player because I wanted one um, and then realized I had no CDs. Uh, so he had like, you know, back in the day when, you know, you'd burn off seat, like blank CDs. 
on a computer. So you ended up with a, like a lot of bootleg kind of CDs that would go around boot sales or yeah, around criminal. friends. Criminal. Yeah. Breaking the law. Um, but um, I ended up with um, like these, you know, computer ripped versions of uh, Magical Mystery Tour and Yellow Submarine. Hmm. And hmm. Um, not, not the two strongest albums to uh, start off on. But, is, is that uh, the Yellow Submarine with like half the orchestra versions on it and stuff? Yeah, yeah, it was. Oh, okay. Um, obviously, it's not like a real proper album. No, no, but it was enough to get me hooked. Um, you know, so I went back to my grand and I go, what more did these guys do? You know? <laughs> um, and before <laughs> I knew it, these. before I knew it, I was absolutely obsessed with the Beatles. Like, I wanted yeah. the haircut. Um, you know, I'd read books on them. Um, I'd go around to my granddad's on a Saturday and it'd be like, we'd either watch a film or put an album on, you know. At the same time, like, I was a little shit at primary school. Like, a really, really nasty piece of shit. Um, you know, the sort of one who'd, like, attack the teachers, you know. <laughs> yeah, that, that would count as a little shit. Yeah, and I think the teachers basically learn the best way to kind of keep me quiet was to just put me at a table and give me a book on the Beatles. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> did, did yeah, your art I, teacher I, get you to draw uh, Ringo Starr? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I was known as the Beatles kid at primary school. Um, like the, the thing is, like there's parts of the curriculum in the UK, in particular primary school, that actually covers the Beatles. So. Um, in year six, um, which was what me aged ten slash eleven, um, the Beatles 11, yeah. were a uh, unit for music slash history. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, and I taught that unit. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, it's fair to say I've got a very strong relationship with the Beatles. And everyone in that year got A's. <laughs> <laughs> did did, did um, Beatles come up in your music classes, David? I, I remember no, like never. a hard day's night coming up, but not like a whole like fledged unit. Mm. Um, there was also something in year four where, because you got to remember in primary school, the curriculum's kind of set by the teachers to a certain extent. Yeah. Um, so our class didn't do it, but the class next door to us did. Um, they watched Yellow Submarine for one of their like projects. Um, and then created a um, papier-mâché yellow submarine. Oh, cool. Which they then gifted to me on my birthday. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's nice. But oh, yeah. You must have um, made a big case for it. <laughs> shall we move on to that would be something? Mm. Or did we want to say anything more about the song? Um, I think I've said everything I want to say. If you guys want to chip on. There's not much to talk about with that song, to no. be honest. Nothing. Yeah, I get. We'll, we'll, move, we'll move on into the slightly more complex stuff. Yeah, let's go. Let's go to that. My voice is gone. Um, let's go on to that. Would be something. something that really would be something 
me something to meet you in the falling rain, mama. Meet you in the falling rain. Meet you in the falling rain, mama. Meet you in the falling rain. That would be something. So that was that would be something. Uh, shall we go to let's go to Harry first? It was indeed something. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, compared to the lovely Linda, there's definitely something going on here. <laughs> That's all. Have, have you got any more puns, or shall I jump in with my thoughts? No, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's a bit more of a brave and weird edition. It's got some yeah. obviously the beat. Boxing vocal, yeah, like the mouth drums, experimentation. Yeah. It, I, stuff. I was going to call it scatting. <laughs> it is a bit scat, yeah. It is kind of a bit scat. <laughs> I also kind of get like that he's doing some sort of elf's impression, like that will be something. I don't know. Do you guys get that um, sort of feel? He's definitely putting on his American bluesman voice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I've heard that before. This is the sole reason it got to number one in the US and only number two in the UK, I'm sure. (laughs) (laughs) He appealed to that market. Yeah, this feels a bit more Elvis heavy than these southern ones before. Yeah. But I don't know how you feel about that. Um, it's, it's, It's got that kind of 50s ish influence. Yeah, for sure. Hmm. Um, I, don't, I, I wouldn't have straight out said Elvis, but I totally get where you're coming from. Yeah, I just can get it off yeah. my head that Elvis yeah. sounded like this. Yeah. He's trying to put it in terms that I would understand Martin. So. No, <laughs> honestly, very Elvis. <laughs> anyway, uh, what did you think, Martin? Um, yeah, it's it's okay. Um, it's a fun little guitar riff. Ringo um, described it as great. Oh. Okay. Martin describes it as okay. Yeah. Um, let's say the guitar there, there you go. Martin and Ringo have different opinions. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, no, the guitar riff... Stick that on the episode description. <laughs> uh, the guitar riff's kind of fun. Um, you know, and it's good to see, you know, kind of McCartney sort of letting his hair down a little bit. Um, from what I understand, this track was composed as a source of loose jam. Um, there's about mm. three tracks on here that are pretty much just improvised. So, yeah. Lovely Linda, um, that would be something. And there's one other, which we'll go into later on. Um, but this was definitely just <laughs> one that he kind of created on the spot almost, refined a very little about it, um, and put it on the album. And it definitely yeah. has that feel. It's sort of like, let's just throw a quick one out there, see if it sticks. Yeah. Um, I think he, it's he fun. wants to see it's how... Fun. I, I get the idea that he really wants to see how audiences respond to him. Sort of him uncut. Yeah. In a way. I'd say mm. it's sort of fun. him just trying to strip away McCartney the Beatle. Yeah. You know. I guess you have to make those comparisons too, of it being very lo-fi. 
you sort of like yeah. have to dig into the enigma a bit, but maybe it's just like you wanted a rush to get something out before Let It Be came out. Perhaps. Um, to me, it just seemed, you know, I, the way I, I've always interpreted this album and the way it's recorded and the, rain, the way it's written is everything goes against what he did with the Beatles. It's a definite reaction to the public perception of McCartney the Beatle. Yeah. Mm. So yeah. it, it goes against stereotypes, but every now and again it will play to a stereotype. Mm. In, um, in a way, though, I do feel like and this is borderline one of songs that, like this beforehand. Yeah. I was going to say, this is one of those, I think what he's trying to do is go against the stereotype of oh, it's Paul, you know, the over-organized songwriter and trying to do something yeah. that's a bit more loose, a bit more scatty. <laughs> um, yeah. But it brings another of the Paul cliches forward by doing that. And that is that Paul McCartney is one of the worst comedic actors, if you want to call it that, of all time. <laughs> <laughs> like, he is hammy as fuck. Yeah, but it's like and there's a real movie horrors can to, become comedies. Yeah, I mean this is really hammy as a song as well. Like you can tell he's playing it up to make him seem jovial and a little bit comedic, not like full blown, but you know what I mean. Yeah, like, look at me, I'm like, you know I can have fun with this, um, and yeah. it, it feels a almost, bit almost like a self parody. Yeah, it, it's there's you know points in it, like say with the kind of scatting slash beatboxing, it can kind yeah. of feel a little bit kind of like forced fun. Mm. Did it surprise you, Andy, when you heard us? No. <laughs> not really. It, it's, it's, it's kind of what I expected from a solo Beatle, to be honest. <laughs> okay. Yeah. The beatboxing was yeah. just all right, easily accepted. Yeah, to be honest with yeah, you. Yeah, no, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't completely thrown by it, I think. It was... yeah. To be yeah. honest with you, first or second, like once you get past the first or second lesson, that beatbox bit kind of falls back a bit and you can just kind of take it, for the most part, as just yeah. an audio representation of a drum part. Yeah. You have to remember at the end of the last song as well, he left in like a bit of a giggle as he was playing to himself. I think yeah. him sort of naturally going off and doing a bit of beatboxing while he plays his guitar, that feels perfectly natural to so me. Basically, McCartney played it's- with himself and then had a giggle. Yeah, and and he enjoyed himself, and he's enjoying his freedom. That's how I read it. Yeah, he is uh, shooting all over the place. Yeah, absolutely. But he is an amazing man. Um, anything else to add on that would be something? No, no, I think you covered all the euphemisms. Good times. <laughs> it's pretty repetitive, other than that. Yeah. Uh, well, I I, I feel like. Uh, I've, I've, I've led myself in for a very easy segue if I want it. Uh, he might be playing with himself at this point, but hopefully, uh, considering the next song is Valentine's Day, you'd have hopes he found a partner.
Uh, yes, yeah, so that is uh, Valentine Day. Uh, let's go to Wiley first. You can tell this is recorded not in a studio. Yeah. He's, it, it, it feels like he forgot to bring a drum along and is just hitting whatever he can find <laughs> in the room yeah. at the start. <laughs> It's just like, oh yeah, this wooden wall will do. Just <laughs> knocking against it. Yeah. Um, Probably why I did a McCartney dance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it, it's it's it, again. It feels improvisational. Yeah. Um. I mean, for me, yeah. the, 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 um, not much to it. I don't yeah. Think. <laughs> I mean, for me, the like the guitar part's nice. Yeah. Which is a surprise because. McCartney was never really considered much on the lead guitar at this point. Like, he had a couple of moments in the Beatles, but by and large, it was George. Oh, so, when you, you have know, George, you're going to yeah, use exactly. George. <laughs> but he's proved he can play bluesy sort of lead pretty competently there. But on the bass side of things, which is what part McCartney is celebrated for. That's an F for effort there. <laughs> yeah, that's, I don't know why, but the bass does kind of take a... Uh, I don't know, like it gets like barely it's just literally a any songs. Boom, like boom, it comes boom, like an boom, after form. Yeah, I mean, that's nothing. Uh, I mean, it's not the only <laughs> song where the bass does take uh, back, sort of like... Yeah. What's the word? <laughs> I mean, the bass is definitely at the front of the mix on this one, where it's either been non-existent or at the back of the mix on others. Yeah. It just um, kind of like plods along. Instead yeah, of being it's like just a, a really fun, inventive thing. Yeah, like, if you wanted to get overcritical on it, it's, it's simplistic enough that you could pick it up as an amateur guitarist and play it in an instant. Mm. It's just basically following the root notes. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why think, it's called Valentine's Day, but he obviously yeah. wasn't like really going for Maybe it. Maybe that year. was just the day that he recorded it. Oh, yeah, it probably was actually. Yeah, because mm. it. Well, I mean, it works for the timeline. Yeah, I think. Um, maybe just... it's just because it's a very bluesy and a bit loose. It kind of has a bit of kind of what they call raunchiness or a bit of lustiness in terms of how kind of charged some of the riffing is on the guitar for this era or by uh, Beatles standards at least could be um, but yeah as I say I mean while I have criticised the bass I don't mind this at all um, I think like the guitar as I say is the interesting part about it you know and it, it's a fun kind of little kind of segue into a couple of songs that are a lot more produced, I think it's fair to say. Yeah. Yeah, no, we, we are going to move into songs that feel a bit more polished. Yeah, <laughs> and, and if it's your first listen, you're probably wondering when are those going to come along? Because I would say the track listing of his album is like a bit messy and you are left um, like wondering at least the first time. Yeah, I, I, I get where you're here. coming from. I mean, for me, I it's I, nice, it's nice to, for sure. For me, I quite like. It's very this. nice not to have something top loaded for a change. I must <laughs> yeah, say. this is very. Uh, for me, I quite like the way the track listing set up because you kind of get like three fragment songs, if you mm. want to call it that, and then you get a couple yeah. of proper dumb ones, and then a few more little mm. fragments, and then you kind of come on, you know, if you get where I'm coming from. 
Yeah, and obviously this so, is the so first kind of, of like, quite a few instrumentals. Yeah, I suppose if you want to put, phrase it another way, it's like if you want to say that the the rough sketches are for him, if you get what I mean, like they're what he's releasing because that's what he wants to release, and then the ones that are more produced are for the audience, then it's a kind of track... It's In terms of the track listing, it's a bit of a two-for-me, two-for-you style track listing. Mm. Okay. Yeah, um, for me, this song sort of feels like an average little live segment that you could expect any band to do between songs. Like it yeah, yeah really stand it's, out. It's, it's, it's nothing special, but it's not making the album worse for its inclusion either. No. Um, I mean, I think at this point, if we were evaluating the album at this stage, I think we'd all say a bit bland, maybe a five. Mm. I think... I mean, yeah. I, I, Episode you know, over. You know, but that's what I mean. The album at this point is a five. We're only three songs in. And then we get a few for us. And this is what I feel starts elevating the album to where it sits in my estimation. Oh, he kept it secret. We're going to have to wait. <laughs> because you are a McCartney fan. I am more of a McCartney man than most people are, yeah, in terms of their Beatles. Um, I mean, I'd go as far as putting it at like... If you want to talk about which Beatle, I'd probably say McCartney just about. I think Lennon's a tad overrated in honesty in the public eye. Um, I think he gets a lot of credit for stuff that was panned during his solo career, but has been since reevaluated um to a point that's over the top because of his passing. Um, especially the likes of Double Fantasy. It's a bit of a... It's an okay album. It's a start of a return to form, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. I, um, I don't think, for say, like, most mainstream died, people would know about that. Because he died, there's always that what if with that album. It's like, what if this was the start of his return to form? So people treat it like it was a return to form. Yeah, it's, it's bittersweet. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I won't comment so much on that because obviously it's extremely tragic. Well, yeah, <laughs> I'm, no, really I'm not saying, of course, you know, but, you know, as I say, um, taking it at a value of the songs, um, you've got four amazing singles and very little else on that album as far as I'm concerned. Mm. Um, and put it in Wiley's timeline. Uh, that came out 10 years after this. So um, Lennon was only okay. around for another 10 years and the relationship yeah. between Paul and Lennon were just about getting back together by then. Yeah. I mean, um, there's mm. a couple of one-offs in the interim. Um, you know, they would very occasionally meet privately in um, New York um, and other American cities, especially uh, around the time of um, Lennon's so-called Lost Weekend. Mm-hmm. which is basically uh, Lennon um, and Yoko um, were having issues conceiving, for starters, um, but they were having general marriage difficulties. And Yoko basically turned around and went to Lennon. Um, let's separate. Um, here's, my, here's our secretary or assistant. 
go off to Vegas and all the rest of it with her, have an affair with her, and we'll see where we go. Right. Um, she was a pretty outfit woman. And yeah, massive. Yeah, I was going to say, artist. if you were going to have an affair, the last person you'd want to have an affair with is somebody who your wife chose for you. <laughs> yeah, she's pretty much a spy. Surely. That's just weird. Yeah, I mean, it gets. Uh, it, 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 it understand it more once you get more of the story. Yeah. Well, probably. Yeah. When you put it black and white, obviously it's extremely yeah. but weird. But by all accounts, Lennon <laughs> wasn't all that interested in the affair side of it. Yeah. Okay. Um, but he did want to go off and have a bit of freedom. But yeah, so he snuck off to be with uh, Paul McCartney instead. <laughs> so is that the is that the insinuation yeah, we're getting at? Quite. But basically, okay. um, he um, started joining up with a group. Um, in LA called the Hollywood Vampires. Yeah. Um, Alice Cooper and Ringo. Uh, mm. Harry Nilsson. <laughs> Just think, really heavy drinkers who are yeah. from bands and stuff. Yeah. 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 Um, and Harry Nilsson in particular was quite infamous. Um, but yeah, they just get a bit crazy. Um, either through alcohol or cocaine in particular. I've seen that band. They made a band later on. Yeah, there was Johnny a band Depp and later on with uh, Johnny Depp. Um, Pretty interesting. Interesting is a fair word. Yeah, I mean, seeing them live <laughs> was interesting. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so long and short of it, you know, Lennon and Ringo are hanging around in L.A. Um, McCartney's on tour in America around this time and decides to swing his head around. Um, before you know it, um, McCartney, Lennon, and Ringo are all in the studio together. Um, and the tapes that result um, are not listenable at all. <laughs> no. <laughs> they are all absolutely wrecked, Lennon in particular. Um, the album was never, you know, as you'd expect, it was never released officially. Uh, but the bootleg um, is widely titled as um, a toot and a snore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, it's because only... it's a cocaine-fueled bore fest. And the only glimpse into Lennon McCartney since it went solo. Yeah, it's the only ever time that it's acknowledged, at least, that they played in the same room together. Um. I mean, there's a story about the um, What If reunion, as they call it, um, where they were in the same, um, I think they were at the Dakota, actually, which is Lennon's apartment in New York, uh, watching Saturday Night Live. And they used to do um, a skit. Um, Basically, a concert promoter offered the Beatles um, a million dollars to get back together for one gig. And you've got to remember, this was 1973, roughly. That's a decent chunk of dough. Huge, huge chunk of money. No one had ever been paid that just for one concert. Um, And Saturday Night Live used to skip this. Um, And the the, the, the amount varied, but it was usually like a low figure, like $1, $10, $100. (laughs) If the Beatles would turn up on the show that night. 
It's just a little skit. Mm. And supposedly, Lennon and McCartney considered uh, turning up at the studios, uh, but they were a little bit drunk and high at the time, decided uh, better of it in the end. Yeah. Uh, and uh, that could have been the uh, Beatles reunion right there. Mm. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I definitely think it would have happened if Lennon hadn't been murdered. It's, it sounds like they were on the path to it. For sure. Which would have been interesting because yeah. a band like the Beatles has never existed since. Yeah. Like as big as them. It should and be it said. Would have been the impact it would have made on the music scene. Yeah. It should be said that um, um, all of the surviving Beatles have discussed these potential reunions that happened in the 70s. Um, and they said that the offer came in several times and there was always at least one Beatle who said no at any given time. <laughs> um, yeah. One of them, all of them said yes at one time or another, but no, there's no point where all four of them said yes. Um, yeah, exactly. The main dissenting voice, as you'd probably uh, guess, was actually George Harrison. He was just done with it. Yeah. Well, George obviously had a lot going. He was yeah. the first to come out of the gate with like, a, a real huge amount of material solo album yeah yeah um and i think it's widely acknowledged that he was the most sick of being a beetle um yeah i think to, um the, the quote from harrison in regards to him becoming a solo artist was the best thing that happened to him was joining the beatles um the best thing that happened to him as a musician was leaving the beatles good quote that uh, shall we move on? Uh, yeah, uh, this is Every Night. Every night I just want to go out, get out of my head. Every day I don't want to get up, get out of my bed. Every night I Yeah, so that is every night. Uh, shall we go to... Let's go to Harry. I think I went to Wiley first last time. We're finally there. A proper yeah. studio recording, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> this is McCartney as McCartney gets. <laughs> yeah, we're still only... It's pretty short, like two minutes and a half. Yeah, um, but you've got to remember standard pop song format was about three minutes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I just mean he gives some um, air to like some longer experimentations of weirder things in this album. Yep. Um, this yeah. is McCartney at his most pop. Classic McCartney. Yeah. I, I think he's um, addressing some of the tones that come with leaving the Beatles and being a bit lonely and all that. Yeah. He gives it that 
classic McCartney optimism sort of like spin on it. You know, yeah, you expect yeah. from we can work it out or something like that. Yeah, it, 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 I, 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 in some ways, I do feel like this is McCartney's solo sister song, if you want to call it that, to We Can Work It Out. Mm. Because he's, he's, I suppose, because Lennon's not there, he's having to write the Lennon part. Where it's, you know, every night I want to go out, get out of my head, you know. But then you've got that classic life is, you know, you get what I mean. Uh, we yeah. can work it out a bit from McCartney in the kind of response, you know, um, just want to stay in and be with you. Yeah. Um, it's kind of the same thing yeah. to maybe I'm amazed too. Yeah, I, I, I think so. As I say, I, I can't get enough of this one. I think it is, it's the most beatly. Yeah, it's but, still some Beatles song for once. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, no, I agree. I agree with that, Martin. It's, you know, this is the one you'd hear most on, say, like, you can imagine this one having sat on Abbey Road, for sure. Like, with a bit more production value, perhaps. Um, it it was like um, the, played within the Get It Back session, wasn't it? I'm not entirely sure on that fact, to be honest with you. Yeah, I looked into it. It was. Oh, right. Um, uh, there's, know... there's a clip with um, Lennon, like, half-ass playing slider guitar while McCartney oh, sings it. Oh, okay. I know, like, a couple of these songs were definitely put to the other Beatles. Um, there's a couple on here that, for instance, that were um, sort of unveiled, if you want to call it that, um, on the Isha tapes, which was the demo sessions for the White album. Basically, yeah. took a portable tape to George Harrison's house and recorded the songs that would end up on the White Album and some that didn't. Yeah, um, we'll find out yeah. soon. As I say, I, I, um, one of the things, um, and I'll give a shout out if you want to call it that, um, I'm going to crib um, some of the stuff that uh, Charles Hazelwood has to say on his documentary, The Beatles Black Album. Uh, Charles Hazelwood is quite a well-known um, modern composer slash um, arranger. Okay. So he's like a kind of conductor for hire in the sort of indie circles, I suppose. Um, for those not aware, do we want to explain what the Black Album I is? I will in a second, yeah. It's Metallica yeah. album, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, on his documentary, um, he basically talks about every night and he goes into the compositional kind of basis of it. And um, what's really cool with this song is the opening. He's just playing on the one chord, almost, and sort of like dun 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 dun, dun you know. And then he adds his top melody over the top with his voice, and then you're into classic McCartney on that kind of chorusy bit, where you know. And it sweeps off, you know, and goes on one. I quite like that. You know, it's a, it sort of slow builds without you even realising it's a slow build. And just like that, it's gone silent. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought you were still Sorry, getting yeah. back to the Black Album stuff. Uh, no, I'll go, yeah, I'll go on to the Black Album now. Um, so the Black Album... <laughs> I was just waiting for that. <laughs> uh, the Black Album um, is, um, for want of a better word, it's a mythic uh, concept album. Um, basically... Um, it's a fan-created album, uh, varying in track listings, um, and it's open to a lot of conjecture as well as to the rules. 
Um, but basically, um, at its widest definition, it's a compilation album that's fan compiled um, of the Beatles' best solo tracks. Um, but depending on where you read it, there's definitive rules. Um, so, for instance, the, the rules that I use, so to speak, when I bring it into discussion, and they're roughly similar to the rules used in Charles Hazelwood's documentary, um, are that um, no tracks after the release of John Lennon's Imagine, uh, because he moved to New York just after the recording of that album. Thus, he wouldn't have been in England to record with the Beatles. Okay. Um, plus two years, one and a half to two years, is roughly the, the region of time where, on the whole, like the solo Beatles had got rid of their old Beatles material. I guess what you mean is that songs could have still been bubbling while the Beatles thing was... Indeed. ...coming yeah. to a close. Yeah. As opposed to Lennon was no longer in the country so he couldn't play with them. Yeah, exactly. So basically, there's songs that can appear that would have been in the Beatles' sphere around the time of the breakup. <laughs> I love a Beatles sphere. Sounds like <laughs> an ultimate dimension. <laughs> So, um, <laughs> other rules that I've seen generally um, for a fourteen, sorry, for a twelve-track album, um, generally um, Harrison's usually given two to three, um, Lennon McCartney usually about four each, and Ringo just the one. Wow. Uh, um, yeah. See, this is why Ringo is my favorite because I always appreciate an underdog. <laughs> I mean, Ringo. Nothing to do with the music. I just, feel, I just feel like he's pretty hard done. Like. With the exception of the White Album, Ringo, which is a double album, um, Ringo always got one song per album. He got two on the White Album, with it being a double. Yeah, and yeah. that's because he wrote one of them. Yep. Uh, good night. <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, so no, he didn't write Good Night. Was it? Yeah, I thought you wrote good. No, it's "Don't Pass Me By," wasn't it that you wrote? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and then I wrote "Good yeah. Night." Yeah, my dad's. Well, um, I mean, there was another one. Sorry, did, got... did Martin just get a Beatles fact wrong? Yes, I did. Yes. Wow. Yeah. So I just wanted to just wanted to make that clear to our listeners. <laughs> I, I was trying to not let him publicly fail. And give him a <laughs> no, chance no, for no. redemption. <laughs> it's all right. Well, I, I'm. You know, I'm not going to let that slide. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, um, so I mean, the Black Album, essentially, as I say, that they're, they're the rules that I follow. But um, I know, for instance, Harry's going to talk about its use in a film which uses very slightly different rules. The film was called Boyhood Ooh. by Richard, is it Linklater? That dude. Um, <laughs> it follows like a load of actors for, I think it's about 12 years um, as they grow up. One of them is Ethan Hawke who made his own Black Album, but he used songs from throughout the Beatles' solo careers. And it's used in that film. He hands it to his son in the film, and it's a big emotional scene, uh, sort of rite of passage, sort of hand-me-down sort of thing. It's really cute. Yeah. And it's a good film. It's really it's unique film. Yeah, definitely unique. Um, it's got some a lot of touching moments as well. Um, yeah, and I think that Beatles' Black Album bit is quite a nice moment. 
and um, obviously a huge a undertaking to follow actors for that time and then bring together oh, a narrative without a doubt yeah <laughs> i mean um as i say i had seen that film before long time ago it must be said um so you know when harry sent the clip it definitely had to sort of jog my memory but um but one of the things that did sort of strike out to me i suppose was that his definition of the beatles black album is totally different from mine he just compiled everything that's ever been done solo by any member of the beatles as fair game for inclusion um as I yeah. say, my consideration, I mean, that, uh, my consideration yeah, of it's it, it's a different is, kind of black album. Yeah, I think. yeah here's my like consideration of the black album is that it conceptually, those songs could have been recorded by the Beatles. Yeah. So it's the lost Beatles album. Yeah, yeah. I think I think for you, might it feels like something the Beatles could have produced exactly potentially, yeah. whereas he's just taken it to say this is the best of the Beatles after they broke up. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, each each has its own merit. I yeah. would say each interpretation of those rule, of the rules. Mm. Um, Plus, the Boyhood one is like yeah. a huge compilation for the track album, whilst yours is like your classic LP. Yes, exactly. Um, I mean, that might. As I, I think I alluded to it last week, um, but it could be a fun game to play one of these days if we've uh, got time to perhaps do as a bonus. Um, each of us maybe compile our own Beatles black album or <laughs> if Wiley doesn't know enough we'll just do it between me and Harry <laughs> no, I'm looking forward to Wiley's very Ringo inclusive album <laughs> um, track one is just the Thomas the Tank Engine theme I think <laughs> he didn't compose that anything's fair game yeah like you said anything <laughs> Uh, but yeah, have you got anything more to add on every night? Yes, 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 yes. He um, uses the same melody and it says, you never give me your money. What, for Do the you... opening? Uh, it's when he does the... <laughs> it's the exact same opening uh, like pop melody to you never give me your money. So... It's so uh, it's the bit that goes woo, and you're yeah, saying it's opening the to the same as du, 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 du. yeah. I'm just gonna keep quiet. It, it honestly <laughs> is extremely similar. I can't get it out of my head. Yeah, so I, 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 as I say, I'm keeping my silence on this one. <laughs> <laughs> well, perhaps shall we, shall we move on? Wine. I'll play a little yeah. bit of "You Never Giving Me Your Money," and I'll play a little bit of um, the um, "Woo Woo" bit from Every Night's. Uh, just bear with me. Uh, you never give me your money. So it's just the literal the beginning bit, isn't it? This bit yeah. here. studio production that bass line <laughs> I just love it the way it comes comes, comes in just like bing, dip, you know what I mean <laughs> yeah but, that uh, is juicy yeah. it's just so gorgeous um, but that bit that's the bit you're talking about right yeah just to be clear um, and, and obviously he does the same sort of like vocal part new of it yeah so I think it's from about 50 seconds the really bit for every night
I've got to give the casting votes to Wiley on this one. Sorry, Harry, I'm not seeing it. Yes. I, I, like, I, I, if anything I, else, it's maybe, pitched completely different. Yeah, there's there, there are similarities. I'll grant that. I think I think the rhythm's probably the same, but it's not. It's not quite. I'm sorry, mate. Yeah, I, I feel like there's a semblance. I, I don't think it's extremely exactly the same. I, I feel like I feel like you're backing away from your position already. So. <laughs> I feel like this is like anyway, the equivalent it of. Um, you know when you get memes, um, the meme where it's like, "Oh, can we have this?" And it's like, "No, we've got this at home." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and it's like Harry's equivalent of like, um, "Can we have you never give me your money?" No, we've got you never giving your money at home. It's <laughs> <laughs> just like McCartney's basement recording. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it just comes up in my head when I listen to the song. That's yeah. all. Uh, anything else to add, Harry? Nah, I could say it's similar to another song, but I won't. That's <laughs> because <laughs> you know we'll check on Bob it. Dylan, tonight I'll be staying here with you. I don't know the song. I'm not that big on Dylan. Nah, it's just a similar theme, that's all. All uh, right. Um, I wouldn't even be able to tell you what album that's from. <laughs> well, e- even by the title of the song, I can tell no, it deals yeah, with yeah, similar yeah. subject yeah, yeah, material. Yeah, yeah, it's so. <laughs> Skyline. It's his folksy album. It came out oh, the year yeah. before. Yeah, that's right. Um, let's say, yeah, I, I could, you know, um, yeah, I, I'd have to listen to the song to really check it out. Yeah. I suppose. obviously he hasn't stolen from it. It's just no, 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 it's no, collective like um, memory sphere. Yeah, memory yeah. because it's that yeah, he was period, huge, and they all listen to Dylan. Dylan. He was huge on Dylan. Yeah, yeah. Um, Wiley, anything to add, or shall we? Um... No, no, no. We've got so many songs to <laughs> get on with. <laughs> uh, so this is Hot as Sun slash Glasses. So that is hot as sun slash glasses. Uh, should we go to Harry first? Is it meant to be like a pun, like hot as sunglasses? It wouldn't because I, I know that it yeah. alludes to two songs being stitched together. Because we listen to one segment, yes. and later on it does include a wine glasses segment. Yeah, I mean, I'll just play a very short amount of that segment. So it's from about one minute thirty onwards for memory. Exactly that. I, I, I think the pun's probably coincidental, to be honest with you. Yeah, because sunglasses aren't normally that hot. 
Whereas just the sun <laughs> it's is. It's just a nice, it's a happy accident, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just meant if it's yeah. meant to be read aloud yeah. as well. No. Yeah. I think, no, I think, it's, I just think it's just two, two tracks. Hard, yeah, one. two tracks. Just, yeah. Uh, sequenced as one. Um, but, you know, um, the, the glasses thing is um, a trick that McCartney's used a few times. Is it? Yeah. Um, and Do elude. I, I'm, I'm going to. Fuck it, I'm gonna do it and hope oh, I don't get copyrighted. <laughs> um, I'm just gonna, yeah, I'm gonna play this bit out and hope I don't get a copyright strike against our names. <laughs> um, oh, again. I like how you say our names as if you're gonna drag us down. Oh, with yeah, you. you're coming down with me. <laughs> um, so it's, um, it's from the um, sort of TV um, documentary for a better word. Oh, um, Chaos sorry, I thought you meant Abbey Road. That um, would be earlier in his career. Yeah, no, no. Now he messes around with stuff like this later on. No, but basically he's showing off the recording techniques that he used in particular at Abbey Road. Um, so just bear with me. Right, but Chaos and Creation is also a solo album, isn't it? Yes, yeah, it's a solo album from the same era. I should have just typed in the exact fucking scene I needed because it could be here forever. Yeah. He looks like a snooker player, doesn't I he? I think it's oh white yeah. shirt and waistcoat. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, I think it's the, the song he recreates is "Band on the Run." So let's give that a go. Um, oh, he's struggling. He no, that's complete. That's complete. I'm struggling here. Yeah, you are right. Um, but he, he did it for a um, BBC advert. Um, okay. So he basically details. Oh, right, right, right. So, uh, just <laughs> to uh, um, let the listener know um, what's going on, um, he's basically filled several wine glasses with different quantities of water um, and then fired off a four-track recorder um, and started rubbing the glasses, put a radio broadcast in the background and then overdubbed the piano and then he's looping all of these things to create further tracks so we can just keep overdubbing and overdubbing and overdubbing. So he, in essence he's creating himself about 32 tracks. It should also be said, the more I talk the less likely we are to be get struck off of uh, copyright. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we've seen the important parts, yeah. so. <laughs> uh, but yeah, on the uh, Chaos and Creation at Abbey Road uh, TV doc, he really goes into detail about a lot of his recording techniques. Mm, I've um, seen it pretty So fun. yeah, I checked that out. It's, it's absolutely brilliant sort of insight into uh, the creative mind that is Paul McCartney, uh, yeah. you know, who I think it's fair to say is one of Britain's finest ever songwriters. Obviously, it's not the only time wine glasses have been like fooled about with in studio recording. I know Pink Floyd were going to do an album called Household Objects. And yes. They were going to make an entire album using sounds of unconventional things from around the house and that. Yeah. But um, it, it was, was later sort of scrapped pre, and elements of it um, showed up later. 
yeah, it was sort of like a pre-Dark Side of the Moon project when they were still trying to find their feet as um, a band that wanted to be a mainstream concern, but also wanted to fly their freak flag, for want of a better word. Yeah, to yeah. Um, do something extremely out there. Yeah, I mean, the only real remainder from that kind of ex- experiment, I suppose, was um, a track called Alan's Psychedelic Breakfast, um, which is basically the sounds yeah. of... Um, the drummer, um, trying to remember his name, Nick Mason. Other. Nick Mason, um, cooking breakfast in his kitchen. <laughs> um, breakfast. And that was because basically it was on the um, album Umagama, and um, all of the members contributed one track solo to the to the second side of that album, and that was Nick Mason's contribution. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but if you go into the bootlegging scene, it is actually a song called Wine Glasses by Pink Floyd. Yeah, yeah, they did it as a suite about um, 10 times live, I believe. Yeah. Um, And there were certain elements of that recording that were embedded later on into small ideas on Dark Side of the Moon. For instance, the clocks at the start of time. Yeah. Uh, but anywho, uh, we are digressing like the... motherfuckers. Uh, so let's get back to Hot as Sun slash Glasses. I think Glasses doesn't require as much exploration as Hot as Sun, perhaps. Um, it's a cool no, sonic yeah. piece, but it, it's a yeah, yeah. You can you can see why it's been inserted into another track. Yes, just to yeah. As I say, it's it's a nice kind of semi avant garde um, sound experiment. But yeah. that's it. Uh, Hot Sun, and this is just my take, I quite like the way um, you start off on a guitar riff and then that kind of keyboard comes in. That's the first time you're kind of hearing kind of piano slash keyboard as well at this point. So it gives it quite yeah. a produced feel. Um, Absolutely. You know, it gives it a, you know, a bit of jauntiness. You know, in, you know in your sort of standard cliched rom-com films, mm. There's always a montage where the two people go on a few dates together. Yeah, this would be that kind of perfect montage music. This is the song that music. plays underneath that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is the sort of song that I'd put on my barbecue sort of playlist, if you get what I mean. Like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it, has, it, it, does bring, it does have it, that it does feeling bring of... It does bring the summer to yeah, mind, I think. Yeah. There is a rom-com that uses one of her songs in this album, but I'll get to it later. Okay, right. <laughs> Interestingly. <laughs> um, anything else to add? Uh, yeah. Obviously, um, that first hot sun bit and the keyboard bit you mentioned, it sort of seems like an indicator of where McCartney would go later on his career. It's like more yeah. McCartney 2-esque. And it's interesting to see he's already experimenting with that side that he will later go into. Yeah. Like, there's very loose strands that come back in his career later on. Um, I mean, as we kind of sort of alluded with glasses even, like close to 50 years later he'd use that technique for a bbc advert you know mm. the seeds were sown you know very early mm. on but um having said still that still dip think... in the same techniques you know I, I find that quite cool i think though personally like it is a bit baby steps in that direction and i yeah I, i'm like one of the um unconventional people who really likes mccartney too 
Yes. So I, I enjoy what he does later on. Yeah. And here I feel like it's a bit messy and especially the edits in it's a bit jarring for me. Mm. Um, I, I, yeah, we should say, mention that it is actually a third song my thoughts. on as well. <laughs> I don't want to betray my thoughts too much at this point by, you know, answering everything that's said. Um, I think it's becoming <laughs> apparent where I'm sitting with it, but I don't want to kind of flip my card over quite yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And also, yeah, as I was trying to allude to, there is another song at the very end called Suicide, which he sort of like mumbles a bit. There's like one line of it. Da, 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 da. So is, 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 is that the? Is it listed differently on certain? Oh, is that an outtake, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, so, so suicide is a song that he wrote for Frank Sinatra, but mm-hmm. uh, it never got anywhere because it's terrible. And <laughs> instead of um, releasing it anywhere yep. and really building it up, he just puts one line of it onto the end of a song. It's. Oh later gets an outtake of it released on the reissue of the album. That's, yeah, that's where I was thinking, yeah. Um, for instance, on my version of um, McCartney, um, you've got um, the song Cree Nakore, and that's where it ends. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's, that's where I stopped listening as well. So, <laughs> so yeah, when, it, when you mentioned suicide, I was like, what? <laughs> okay, yeah. But, but yeah, it is yeah. used in the last uh, 10 seconds of a song. Just one yeah. line of it. Yeah, there, yeah, there's a tiny... Yeah, I know what you mean. It sort of has like a bit like um, sort of, I suppose, like a very minimized version of Your Majesty um, as Your Majesty sits on Abbey Road. Mm. Um, but yeah. Um, shall we move on to um, Junk? Mm-hmm. Uh, I suppose if uh, Hot as Sun is the summer song, then this really feels quite awesome slash wintry in comparison. Handlebars, bicycles for two, broken hearted jubilee. Parachutes, army blues, sleeping bags for two, Yes, so that is uh, junk. Now, I'm going to test the waters here and say I think Wiley liked this one. Yeah, it's okay. It's I haven't been really into the album at all yet. Um, Every Night was pretty good. Mm-hmm. I think I prefer Every Night to this one, but this one's a close second, I would say. Okay. It's it's certainly the most well produced one so far. Yeah, it, it, it feels it feels the most polished. Yeah, I think as a songwriter piece oh. as well, this is very much in the kind of every night vein of yes. classic McCartney. Um, yeah, it feels uh, a bit like um, kind of um, has a bit of that kind of yesterday sort of vibe to me, where it's mm. kind of yeah. whist- no, I, it's I can sort of wistful in its tone. Yeah, you know, yeah, yesterday's a better song, but yeah. I'm gonna say something that's gonna make me seem like a dick. 
I don't like okay. yesterday. Okay. Okay. Has it been ruined for you by its inclusion in the film yesterday? Because <laughs> <laughs> I'd understand um, that. <laughs> no, I just I think maybe because it's so overplayed, um, it sort of doesn't punch yeah. in the same way as uh, you yeah. know what I mean. Okay. Oh, that's fair um, enough. Yeah. It's not like take a step back it, and it loses its heft. It. Um, so are, are you one of those kind of fans that if everybody else likes something then No, no, not you, at all. Um, <laughs> there are big big Beatles songs that I absolutely adore. Um, yeah. But for some reason just with that one song That one that one doesn't hit the spot for I think for you. because that the strength of that song sits on an emotional heft. If you lose that, you've lost the song. Oh, okay. I still think it's an amazing song musically. Mm. Uh, and it, it's Don't get very me wrong, I'm not saying it's a well. god-awful song. <laughs> but no, no, no. I don't pull it at the ranks that everyone else does. Okay. I mean, that's the most covered song of all time. Yeah, and there's a reason for it. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> um, as I say, I, I, as I stated... I'm stating a very unpopular opinion. <laughs> I also think it's... No, that's okay. You're backing it up with reasons. So yeah, you know. as I say, uh, I don't deny it as a piece of songwriting. But just for some reason, I'm just a bit bored by it nowadays. That's, that's, mm-hmm. as, that's as much as it is, really. Um, I do think it's pretty hilarious funny how enough, Young McCartney wrote a very good song. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. And he wrote Suicide, which he wanted Sinatra to sing, but <laughs> Sinatra obviously <laughs> much preferred what Young McCartney could do. Yeah. Um, I mean, Wiley sort of, I suppose, um, alluded on this, so I'll, I'll, I'll push it to its logical conclusion. Um, <laughs> you were saying, oh, was I disappointed by yesterday because of its you know, use in the film yesterday? <laughs> yeah, the film's not very good. It isn't. Um, what I will say was um, an appearance of this song in another film made the song go up in my estimation. Um, what the song Junk, you mean? Sorry? Or what, Junk or Yesterday? Um, yesterday. Yeah, we have had okay. talking about saying it's not the actual. Song. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, <laughs> we will get back to John. Yeah. Um, I want to clarify my opinion on the film yesterday as well because I think it's a good film, but not if you're a Beatles fan. It's a Richard Curtis rom com. Yeah, it 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 merely uses that the the whole Beatles thing as a crux, and I think if you go there. As a Beatles fan, you are yeah. going to be quite annoyed. I mean, by it. me and my other I, half, we definitely went into the cinema and hated it from the get-go. Came out of there and was like, "What yeah. a waste of time!" And that was my birthday cinema visit. Ah, <laughs> like you know, it's like you don't strike me as a birthday cinema. Girl. No, it just happened to come I, out. I it just happened to some... come out on my birthday, yeah. or like um, the oh, day boy. off that I had nearest <laughs> to my birthday. What was your opinion on Ed Sheeran's suggestion that the song be Hey Dude? Ed Sheeran Ooh. can go fuck himself. <laughs> yeah, that, that was just a trailer moment. That's and not so just for that, just, <laughs> I just don't like Ed Sheeran. No. Anyway, what uh, but, yeah, was the film? The film in question yesterday. that included yesterday was Bean the Movie. Yes. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, the underdog. <laughs> and there's this amazing scene, isn't there, where the like um, Mr. Bean and the uh, professor, um, like the professor suddenly realised that Bean isn't the great export 
expert that he's been sent over to America as, and actually he's been sent <laughs> over to get him out of the way of the guys in London. And he's, you know, fucked everything. You know, Bean's come in and his professional life's sitting on the brink, his family life's on the brink, and they just get absolutely bladdered and sing yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> Um, is that the film where Bean talks? Yeah, yeah, it is. Like, inexplicably, yeah, yeah, he just yeah. has full grasp of the English language. Yeah, it is, yeah. Oh, I don't remember. Yeah. It's a cl- cracking no, it, it film. It was the first Bean movie. Um, and it is good. Funny it's enough, that film was written by Richard Curtis. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so should we get how to use <laughs> Yeah, he knows how to use yeah, Beatles songs, it, it, just not as a vehicle for a whole fucking movie. Yeah, <laughs> what he um, needed was some junk in his trunk. Yeah, should we get back to junk? <laughs> yeah, um, I'm done with junk actually. Um, <laughs> no, no, we've we already heard my yeah, opinion yeah. on it. Um, yeah, go on, Harry. Would well, Harry have yeah. some opinions? Take, Harry, take the stage. For me, this is easily the superior song to every night. Ooh. I'm of the um, same opinion. I, I think it's incredibly beautiful. And yeah. it's very sentimental, and it really, obviously, because it was recorded during the India sessions, um, it really brings to me that lovely style of songwriting. He played back them of songs like Blackbird and Mother's Nature's Son, that really calm sort of finger picking style. Yeah, and that just really um, hits a nostalgic tone with me. And yeah, I, um, I knew this song beforehand before McCartney because I listened to like the Escher demos and yes. I listened to Anthology 3 which it appears on too it, yeah and so it, it feels like a Beatles song to me kind of <laughs> yeah it's just probably the, <laughs> the most likely to have been a Beatles song I think um, in terms of where it sat you know it was played to the band it had been floating around a few years by all accounts um, it was dusted off on um, the Let It Be in Abbey Road sessions as well yeah it was one that McCartney kept trying to throw into the mix, but the other band members wouldn't take so. Yeah, there was a couple others, but I think this one definitely takes precedence. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm going to run a view by Harry and see where he sits on this, because we sort of discussed yesterday and how this might feel like a bit of a sister song. Um, do you mm. agree that this kind of has that same yesterday thing where this song feels a bit old? As, as a songwriter, you know what I mean? Songwriting voice. Uh, this feels a bit old beyond its years, if you get what I mean. Yeah. Uh, um, to pinpoint the feeling that you're trying to allude to, I think it's being nostalgic in a sad way. Yeah. It's, it's that, that, that kind of thing that McCartney can really excel at, where it feels like he's writing as a voice that's considerably older and more wizened than himself. Mm. if that makes sense <laughs> um, yeah you know it's a sort of you know he does it on for instance when I'm 64 um, which is more of a jaunty song of course yeah but I feel like jokey. yeah but I feel like for instance yesterday and junk in particular feel like they're kind of written as an older character you know someone who's lived a bit more yeah I get and that. is sort of looking back on things and going where did it go wrong they definitely both have a bittersweet sort of feel to them. Yeah. I think this one especially more bittersweet. Yeah, for sure. You know, it's sort of looking back over things in a junk shop and saying, 
you know, and and comparing how these items are used in partnerships. Yeah, and obviously in the vocal performance, it's a lot more restrained and yeah, it sounds a lot more down the dumps. Yeah, as I say, I, I mean, I'm I'm in agreement with Harry. Thus far, this is definitely my favourite. Um, and it's right. I mean, in, yeah, not to spoil too much. But everything could change. <laughs> not to spoil too much, but um, this is probably going to be in my tops. Um, but yeah, that's fair enough. Spoiler, <laughs> spoiler alert. Um, shall we move on to Mammy is Lonely? Sure. Uh, yes, so that was Man We Was Lonely. Uh, let's go to Harry first. Uh, coming from junk, this song isn't that strong for me. It's, it opens on a chorus which is really bland. Yeah. The, the verse is all right, but man, that chorus just doesn't do anything for me. It's too on the nose, and it's just half-assed. This is the McCartney that I take a dislike to. Yeah, for me, this is the country McCartney um, <laughs> who does like these um bodies like songs say, in a white album. I was going to say more to the point. This feels like McCartney when he does his obladi oblada, Maxwell Silverhammer, jaunty over jaunty pop songs. Yeah, to um push well, that far. Feels like he's writing. This is the McCartney that kind of ended the Beatles. Yes, <laughs> because Lennon absolutely hated this sort of type of songwriting. Yeah. As he called it, granny music. Yeah. And obviously George resented it too because it meant that less songs of his would get on the album. Yeah. And they were replaced by songs like these. I mean, obviously, as far as I know, this song was never submitted to the Beatles, just to be... um, No, it's style of music. But yeah. um, But, you know, say for instance, Maxwell Silverhammer on Abbey Road is an absolute travesty. Like... It's produced well, but as a song, it's absolute bullshit. I'm sorry. Um, and no, um, Lennon thought that it should have been given to another artist. Yeah, I, I think that's a fair point. It's it's not a bad song in terms of the way it's written and arranged, but it sticks out like a sore thumb on that album. Yeah, I can give that. I like it. I don't think it's his worst, but it definitely mm. doesn't suit the Beatles. Um, but when you consider the songs that got put up for that album 
you know, you've got all things must pass. Yeah. Wawa. Yeah. Um, I believe there's an early version of My Sweet Lord. Yeah. Um, you've got Jealous Guy, or as it was known yeah. then, Child of Nature. <laughs> and you've got Junk. How the fuck mm. did Maxwell Silverhammer make it onto Abbey Road? <laughs> it's obviously um, part of the democratic procedure, which enabled McCartney. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, obviously it paid off well for George because he ended up with yeah. a seag of I mean, amazing songs we so love. Yeah, I mean, to be a little bit nasty for a moment... Maxwell Silverhammer, we're talking about gifting it off to another artist. That should, if, if Ringo had got another album, like if the Beatles recorded another album, that would have been the Ringo song. <laughs> wow. Like, yeah. you give wait, the song... Wait to talk about my favourite You Beatles. give the song, to, you know, those kind of songs to Ringo, because Ringo can't sing. <laughs> <laughs> but I think Ringo wouldn't have been up for it. <laughs> <laughs> I think only McCartney can pull off a playful bombast. <laughs> but you know mm. what I mean? That's that kind of uh, feel to it. But yeah, I, I'd say I'm talking so much about other songs because I, I completely nothingness. It just yeah. feels like McCartney at his most melody McCartney. If we bring outside the Beatles influence, what would Wiley think? Yeah, I quite like this song. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> you. We don't influence you. No, <laughs> no, no, you don't. I, I enjoyed it. He probably like, likes it because it issue... sounds a bit like something that ABBA would overproduce about four years down the line. <laughs> um, I, I suppose I suppose you could make that point, but they would make it a lot better. Yeah, yeah, I'm not saying that they do sure. like these sort of um, style of melodies, but obviously pull it through their lens. Yeah. Um, I, my my biggest issue with it is the fact that McCartney can't conjugate his verbs properly. <laughs> so, <laughs> give us an example. Man, we was lonely. Well, instead, oh, instead of saying we were lonely, he says we was lonely, and it's repeated so often in the song that it gets annoying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but that, you know that I I I think yeah. that's deliberate. Just- I think it was only anyone yeah. who picked up a very like I'm going to go down the Harry route of very tedious musical connections. <laughs> um, <laughs> hey, in, mine holds up in that sort of initial kind of chorusy bit. Just the vocal melody to me sounds very slightly like the song "Save All Your Kisses for Me." <laughs> I, I don't get the reference. I knew you wouldn't. I'm just doing that just to take the piss out of you. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't yeah, see it enough. at all. As I say, I, I mine holds it's up. It's weird still. though. I do know yeah. that. No, song, I'm gonna. Which, I, I'm just readdressing the balance. I'm sort of bailing Harry out of jail for his earlier mistake by uh, putting one on myself. Oh, that's that's kind of you. <laughs> hey, people can listen. Now, 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 now all we need to do is me do example. one. Yours is just in there for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> that's all right. We'll cull it and continue to make you look like an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, what, what do you think of the Linda editions? They they don't add or subtract for me. Um, wow. I mean, this feels like an early indicator as to what wings would go down. Mm-hmm. But yeah, as I say, and David, 
Do you like what? Linda's what? voice or think it takes away? I I enjoy it. I I like I like the mix. Yeah, it's it's, it's like I I I, I I'm going to say this. I don't mean that I dislike Paul McCartney's voice, but it's nice to hear a different voice. Yeah, yeah, it's just something different. I think I think maybe that's just me missing the Beatles, but <laughs> like Beatles plural. Yeah. But I don't know. Yeah, it's nice he didn't, for example, harmonize with himself. Brought on his wife yeah. and made it feel a bit more homegrown. Yeah. Yeah, it does, and it does help it stand out from the Beatles as well. I think he is trying to create a voice for himself, and ironically, bringing in somebody else's voice is helping to do that. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, I would say as well that this, not sort of perhaps in the arrangement, in terms of the actual composition of the song, but in terms of like the arrangement production, it feels very much like what we'd go on to see on the next album. Oh, right. Yeah. Where it feels a little bit homegrown and they're kind of inviting you into this kind of cozy kind of, you know, well, like as if, as if they're all living on a farm as a family and going, going, come on, you know, we're the family bands, you know. Paul McCartney's 100% natural good time family band. <laughs> is, that what, is that what we're you going know, But there's for? moments on Ram that definitely have that feel. I mean, don't get me wrong, there's also moments on Ram that are a lot more complex than anything you'll find on this album. But um, We, we you know, get it, Martin. You prefer Ram. Huh? <laughs> you prefer Ram, don't you? Just about, yeah. Um, you like to get rammed. Yeah, a bit like the uh, Beatles that are on the back album cover. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what's, what's happening on the back album cover? Uh, what, the back album cover of Ram. Um, basically, yeah. um, it's two um, dung beetles uh, ramming each other. Oh, okay. I've seen this before now. Yeah, yeah, because <laughs> Harrison already did a thing where he's next to a couple of garden gnomes that have all broken apart to be like yeah. the Beatles. So I guess it's That's like a reference correct. to that too. Yeah. Um, sort of one of these kind of ways that especially Lennon McCartney were sort of barbing each other through their albums. Um, so um, let's say McCartney included the picture of two dung beetles fucking, you know, basically saying fuck the beetles. And, um, or the Beatles fucked me. <laughs> and, um, oh, Beatles like fucking. Yeah. And then um, Lennon, in response, um, basically included a postcard um, slash poster in his Imagine album, which was him holding like a, um, what they call it, a, a male pig. <laughs> uh, I think it's called a sow. Um, General Bovan. <laughs> a sow is a female sow pig, is a female I think. Pig. Um, but anyway, he's holding the pig, and it's supposed to take the piss out of the uh, front cover for Ram, where McCartney is holding a goat. Ah, uh, was it a sheep? Um, either way, <laughs> it's a it's either um, a goat or a sheep with um, curled horns. I, either way, it fe- seems a bit petty to be. Oh honest. yeah, they were they were constantly going at it. You know, I mean, this is probably the only like McCartney yeah. album. Well, full stop, I'd say, in some ways, Beatles solo album from this era, 
so when I say for this era, I'm talking any time between about 1970 and 1973, uh, that didn't include a sly barb at one of the other members. Um, and even then, if you searched enough, you could find a sly barb at one of the band members if you wanted. Yeah. Um, but yeah, as I say, again, we're, we're talking way off topic because the song is perhaps a little bit nothing. I don't. Again, I know disagree, disagree, but <laughs> that's, that's fine. Um, okay, shall we go on to side two? Yeah, let's uh, go on to Ooh, you. Ooh, you on side two. That is you. Uh, let's go to Wiley first. Uh, yeah, it's okay. It's it's, it's a little repetitive, yeah. I find. Um, he does mix yeah. it up. I think near the very end of the song, there's a bit where he goes, talk like a baby. <laughs> and then he goes, I'm gonna, 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 gonna goo goo. <laughs> and I just thought, I mean, that's another example of just improvisation. I was gonna say, would this surprise you that this was the final of the main batch of improvised songs uh no it would not <laughs> no it would not <laughs> i mean yeah. yeah but i you know i enjoyed it for what it was um but it's not much i mean um that's, yeah. that's my analysis <laughs> um i mean i think it helps if you know maybe the context um in terms of stylistic themes if you want to call that to the, the music um Let's yeah, give it a so go. For me, like this sounds a lot like he's trying to imitate the likes of Humble Pie, who were coming through at that time. Uh, Humble Pie um, was fronted by uh, Steve Marriott of the Small Faces, and I think at that point uh, pe- featured uh, Peter Frampton on guitar. Okay. Um, but basically, they were going into this sort of heavy blues. Um, I mean, I'll try and find a little bit of Humble Pie to play just for sake of slight comparison, but obviously I don't want to go overboard. I'll just play a tiniest bit of Black Coffee. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, maybe. Well, maybe for me that was just one of those where. But... I honestly, I want that to be an advert for Starbucks, <laughs> <laughs> where all the baristas just start singing it. That would be brilliant. Um, to bring it back to McCartney, I can definitely hear the influences yeah. in Ooh You. Yeah, so. yeah it's he's a bit of a musical chameleon, isn't he? Yeah, it's his, it's his attempt to well, he tries to be. <laughs> Yeah, I think like sometimes he gets a bit carried away, a bit too uh, cocky, like see what I can do kind of thing. Yeah, um, I, I mean, this yeah. is we were talking earlier on about um, you know one of the main criticisms for this album being that's too many sketches of songs, and this is definitely yeah. one where I can really see that. Um, you know, this kind of allegation that McCartney went, ah, fuck it, they'll buy it. Um, <laughs> yeah. Because well, it wasn't this rock, has the fair, bones but... of a really good song. Yeah, the music mm. of it is tight. Yeah, yeah. It's really nice uh, layering. It yeah. feels like stuff that our Stevie Moore would perfect with like his bedroom pop. Yes. But yeah. lyrically, it's lazy as fuck. <laughs> yeah. He he literally goes goo goo at yeah. one point because um, he can't think I mean, of anything else. Yes. As a further criticism, <laughs> it sounds like he's playing empty cans of beer as percussion. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and, it's, and and the lyrics sound like he just drunk them. So. <laughs> I feel if there's a meme in there somewhere, and he's going more guitar, <laughs> keep on layering it and layering it. But, nope, um, more guitar. <laughs> It's the um the, the meme that we're looking for is Kylo Ren going more. <laughs> I believe um what the um more guitar bit is, it's um actually his telling his studio engineer, just turn it up a little bit more. Put a bit more game oh, on Oh I thought it meant uh, yeah. getting another layer on. No, no, it's um as I say, it's because a lot of these takes uh initi- were meant to be demo or guide. Um recordings and you know obviously listen back to him went actually no i don't mind that i'll keep it in um you know and it's supposed to kind of purposely give off that sketchbook kind of feel you know by keeping some of those kind of bits of um if not studio chatter but like end of tape chatter as they call it yeah um so yeah that's just i think that's just another example of that but yeah i mean i've, I've not like double checked, but to me that sounds like he's um, talking to a recording engineer, which would probably be in the case if he was um, doing this in the studio in London. You know, so basically he's probably saying, "Can I get a bit more guitar?" And what he means by that is because uh, it's, it's it's a phrase that I've used, um, like in live settings when I've been performing in the past. Um, you know, if I can't hear enough guitar, you know, I'll try and either visually or verbally indicate uh, to whoever's doing the mix at the desk to put a bit more guitar on. <laughs> okay, I, I think I think you've thoroughly <laughs> got into that. Yeah. Now um, we, we, yeah. we've it's 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 simplistic, um, but I like what it's trying to do. Um, and I think that's my you, comment. You can um, say that about a lot of the songs yeah. here, I would say. Yeah, I, th- I think that's as much as I've got to say. Um, so if anyone hasn't got anything to add, shall we move along? 
Yeah, let's this do it. song is called Ooh You. That's all there is to say about it. <laughs> uh, yeah, so this is Mama Miss America. Mama Miss America. Um, let's go Harry first. So this is like um, two songs stitched together again. Yeah. Like there's two definitive parts to it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I don't know where it gets its name from in Mama Miss America. It like starts off, this is Rock and Roll Springtime or something. I was going to say, yeah, he names a completely different song at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I don't know how it fits the theme, but anyway, yeah, that's the case. Um, uh, I kind yeah. of like it. The first part is like Melaton based, yeah. is it, I guess. It feels a um, bit um, film soundtracky. Yeah, um, the bass yeah. is boring though, yeah. and I don't like how he does these weird vocals in the background. Like, Ooh, yeah, I don't mind. <laughs> it <that>. just sort <laughs> of takes away from it for me. I think it's just a bit. Uh, yeah, I, I definitely um, accept the uh, allegations or accusations of lazy bass playing yet again. You like that's it does the get thing better in for. the second part. Yeah. But, you know, it's that kind of thing of, that's the thing you're known for. Come on, nail that down at least. <laughs> it's like, nah. <laughs> you know, but it just shows, I think, that, you know, if he was recording um, with the Beatles, he'd at least take the time to listen to the overall composition and work out key and things like that. Whereas here... He's not bothering. It's yeah, I mean, with the Beatles, he has to contribute. And yeah. if there's someone else who's got a good song, yeah. then he's going to want to stand out and yeah, of course. bring his own ego into the song. But you know what I mean? Like, slapping on a great bass part. You know, think of some of the best bass parts that, you know, he contributed. You know, so say, for instance, something, I think it's widely attributed as one of his best bass lines. Hmm. Um, you know... And then if he just come in and go, dum, 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 dum. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, it just lacks that kind of awareness, I suppose, where, you know, he's listening to what he's got in front of him and saying, how can I accentuate that with each instrument? Um, I think there's a few examples where he's just saying, the overall things there. Let's leave it at that. Yeah, but having said that, the bass does get better in the second half. It does half. in the second half, yes. I'm mainly discussing the first half at this point. <laughs> <laughs> can we, can we, should we listen to a little yeah, bit of the second half? Of course. I'll cue in a little bit now. Um,
Yeah, so as you can see, the base does definitively get better. Yeah. Um, although it's still not peak McCartney base. <laughs> no. It's not like Taxman or whatever. No. Yeah. I'm going to go on a very weird little diversion. In the film La La Land, <laughs> there's a scene where the Ryan Gosling character tries to explain jazz to both his girlfriend at the time and the audience. And he describes it as improvisation where every member is in tune with each other and they know when the like each instrument is going to come in yeah, and yeah, have a bit of time in the sun. About, um, I think the best jazz, and I'm not a big jazz man, is, is about um, mm. how in sync everyone is with each other. Like It, it feels yeah. like every member's on the same plateau yeah, and they instinctively know when the piano is going to go in for a bit of a solo while the others back him yeah, up. Or, exactly. Or the trumpet or whatever. Whereas this just feels like <laughs> McCartney is all of them and he still doesn't know <laughs> when each one's going to come in. Ah, <laughs> uh, oh, savage. <laughs> uh, like, I, 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 I sort of enjoy it, but it's not great. I don't great, mind this at all. Um... No, I don't mind it. Uh, but... I just don't like how four <laughs> minutes is given to it while like some of the stronger parts are so restrained. That's a, yeah, yeah, that's a strong point. I'd, I'd love to have heard a proper four-minute take of Junk, for instance, or yeah. a proper mm. three-and-a-half-minute every night. Definitely. <laughs> you know. Um, I love how Junk is assigned an extra 30 seconds in Martin's head just because of how much he prefers um, it. <laughs> I think because yeah. every night intentionally every night is, a is supposed to have been written yeah. as the full-blown radio single. Yeah, sure. I, 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 I understood it. I just wanted to <laughs> yeah, I know you make light of it as well. I just well. wanted to rebuke that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, as I say, it... it, it a bit like we were sort of saying with um, Hot as Sun, it just feels like this is great background music. Mm, it sure. feels, yeah, it'd be it good feels in an like elevator. sort of scene-setting music that's a little bit off-kilter. Um, and I mm. kind of like the way it's slightly off-kilter. Um, it's not something that you can analyse too well because it falls down under analysis but a bit like Hot the Sun it's just a little bit the, 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 the stuff that critically if we're analysing you'd say oh that's not quite right or oh that's a bit eh. um, kind of make it good as a kind of background listen I understand what you mean I, I like how it's all breaking apart and it's a bit unpredictable yeah I think that's its only redeeming quality <laughs> yeah as I say I, 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 I you know while while we're sitting here and crit, you know critiquing the album obviously I have to point out where songs break apart a bit but yeah. as an overall listen I quite like that <laughs> so it's yeah. a bit of a weird one <laughs> Uh, okay. Anything else to add, Harry? Uh, let's go to Teddy Boy. This is the story of a boy. 
boy named Ted If his mother said Ted be good He would She told him Ted About his soldier dad But it made her sad And she cried Oh my Ted used to tell her He'd be twice as good And he knew he could Cause in his head He said Uh, yeah, so that is um, Teddy Boy. Um, I'm just going to point something out um, while we're having a whole episode of really shit song comparisons. Um, <laughs> just, is, well, um, I'll discount Harry from this for one second because I don't know if it aired in Sweden. But there's that um, Amazon advert that was on not too long ago. Where they use, mm. I think it's by Supertramp, the song Little of My Love. And those first couple of chords on the guitar just really, like, I feel like he's about to sing that. <laughs> oh, okay. Maybe. Um, I, I, don't, I just want to check it is actually I'll recognize this. I'll, I'll recognize the... Um, yeah, thankfully Amazon's not like song. a huge force here. Yeah, it's um, the song Give a Little Bit by um, Supertramp. Just a little bit. Yeah. Um, I'll just play the sinus bit because it's only the, literally the intro is just it's very, you know, like it's, we're talking about a two chord thing, if you get what I mean. But because they're literally both at the beginning of the song, <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. I'll just play the sinus bit. Let's give it a go. And then it's on to like the you know chorus. I think most people probably know. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I can. Yeah, hear as it. I say, it's not. I'm not saying it's a straight I'm up. Not, you know, it's just because I hear those yeah. two chords and I associate those two sort of chord voicings in that strumming pattern with that song. Mm. I'm pretty sure McCartney came first. Yeah, well, yeah, so, yeah exactly. I mean, it was a very <laughs> irrelevant diversion and very self indulgent of you, mine. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, when you uh, sit down and edit this for yes. four hours on a Friday, uh, you can be self-indulgent. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I said, I, I'd say that. I'd say that's a good rebuttal. <laughs> also, if Martin can edit this in under four hours, I will be astounded. Um, when I say four yeah. hours, I'm being over generous. To be honest with you, usually it takes me yeah. roughly about eight on an average podcast. Yeah. Yeah, um, we definitely that's helped still, make actually, this one longer. That's still pretty good, to be honest. So uh, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. Anyway, yeah. Teddy Boy, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I enjoyed it too. For the most part, um, it, um, I think you can fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a strong opinion from Harry. There, uh, are you going to elaborate on that, or are you just going to leave that hanging? Oh no, I thought we were just each going to say your opinion then move on or something <laughs> <laughs> well normally we back up our opinions but no we, yeah well, okay well why why do you like it then <laughs> <laughs> jesus christ 
uh, it reminds me very much of like the sort of not not exactly fairy tale songs that we've um sort of mentioned before, but it's there's a certain uh, mythical story time quality yeah. to it that I really like. It's it, it adds to that sort of homely, wholesome feel that we've alluded to already. Yeah, it's um, for me, it's the sort of the same thing. It it feels as if it's going towards nursery rhyme slash kids song McCartney. Yeah, it's almost but, like McCartney's getting a bit broody. It you know? doesn't go the full length. Um, no. Thus, I think it just about avoids being hammy. Whereas mm. Manwe was lonely, was hammy as fuck. Um, <laughs> and all the better for it. <laughs> um, I feel this has a little bit more restraint. And plus... It, it is restrained, I'll plus, give it that. Absolutely. Um, thematically, in terms of the lyrics, I quite like the story about the Teddy Boy thing, because that would have been a scene that he was part of in his childhood. So you're getting mm. a little bit of a glimpse into his childhood. You um, mean having a teddy bear? No, no. Teddy Boy was a um, movement uh, to do with the rock and roll scene. Uh, mainly like slick back hair, um, leather jackets, um, tight trousers, and if you could afford it, a motorcycle. Oh, okay. I a different name. But uh, to be honest with you, there's not many... Uh, teenage lads in Liverpool who can afford I, I, I thought that would be more rockabilly um, they're, they're very similar in a lot of ways I mean rockabilly was more um, a term used to describe country infused rock oh, okay um, yeah I mean you know the look can differentiate itself yeah. from I mean Teddy boys were generally guys who starred themselves on Elvis Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I thought that was the thing that I said was. <laughs> anyway, Harry, now that we've um, we, we we've we've followed through, we've given our yeah, given and you've reasons had time to opinions. buy a bit of time in order to construct a um, proper rebuttal. Yeah, so go on, explain yourself. Yeah, this song can fuck off, <laughs> <laughs> mainly because. It just feels like a shit version of Rocky Raccoon. It's it's so underdeveloped. It feels to me really simplistic and I just don't like this version of really simple story writing that McCartney does. I, I think he's done it better in the past and I think this is just really I think I'll agree that along it's better executed at other points in his career. The... No, I think Rocky Raccoon's yeah. way better than us. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's a yeah. given. But um, I don't think it's poorly executed. I think it's just one of those, you know, and this is probably one of these things with certain songs on this album in general, is you're comparing it off to a hefty catalogue. Yeah, I, I guess when I'm saying they can fuck off, I'm saying it because this is why the Beatles broke up. For him to do songs like this, um, uh, because this was the sort of like songs that they were contending Rocky with. Raccoon was well, well, no, no. But there's this, there's that... a brand of McCartney songs like Teddy Boy and 
some of the songs we've mentioned before, which are a bit half-assed and stuff, which he kind of was doing in the later Beatles era. And yeah. It was causing tension. There's moments in this album, and I mean, you can argue either way, I suppose. Yeah, there's elements of this song that were a bit undercooked. Yeah. Anyway, um, I can understand why you like the story sort of like format. Yeah. But for me, it's just like, using very basic foundation levels of English, like talking about how someone's sad and how they cry. It just, he could have done a much better effort. Yeah. Um, Shall we move along a bit? Um, Sure. I'm not going to bother really giving it a play out because it's just the same again. So we'll just very briefly go into it. Did everyone enjoy Sing Along Junk? Yes. Yes. Uh, Yeah. It's the, it's the same again. I don't again. think I realised it was the same yeah, song. It's the same again, just <laughs> instrumental. In some ways, it just gives okay. that kind of. It's to me the way I kind of think about this one is, despite the fact it's actually longer than the version with vocals. Um, it this it just gives a little bit of a flavour that 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 of the you know what I mean. It sort of infuses the flavour of the first song back into the album before we go on to the next track. Yeah. yeah I, I am really quite embarrassed that I didn't realise it was just an <laughs> instrumental of a previous <laughs> song. That's... I mean, it's... It, like, the name even makes that clear. Yeah. <laughs> it does. It's pretty clever. That's, yeah. Title, that actually. is unfortunate on my but, account. Yeah. And I, I apologise. I, I feel but, like thematically... Um, it sits in the right place on the track listing because you're kind of bringing mm-hmm. back a certain f- sort of balladry and a bit of wistfulness before you go into this next song. Um, and I don't think this song needs too much introduction. Uh, yes, yeah, so that is um, maybe I'm amazed, and 
I'm kind of motion that that is the standout track on this album. Agreed. Yeah, sing along, John. Kids, Seconded. good song. <laughs> For fuck's sake, Harry. <laughs> I'm I'm giving him no reactions anymore. I think he's he's just trying to. I think he's trying to trigger people yeah. now. <laughs> Let's not feed the troll. Okay. Well, Being contrary, we, we, we for can the do sake a softy, sir. <laughs> uh, yeah, but, yeah. I'll, I'll agree with you it's fine <laughs> it's alright we'll keep this in um, but yeah maybe Mays stand out on this album for sure yeah I think yeah um, but I mean I was, I'd go as far as saying surprised. it's a standout from McCartney's solo career yeah no it's the only song on this track that I'd previously heard and do you want to explain to the audience why I think you've heard the song before <laughs> I heard the Simpsons of course I did. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, you know, I, I didn't think we needed to go into that. It's the song that, um, if you play it backwards, there's a recipe for soup yeah, in it. Yeah, lentil soup. I think. Um, lentil well, soup. That was it. I was going to say yeah. tomato, but then I was like, no, it's not that. Over an image of a flying pig. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's, it's yeah. iconic. It's the, um, I mean, it's used in that episode, if, you know, um, obviously we always talk about The Simpsons as a comedy vehicle, but... Especially in that golden era, Simpsons, they could really hit a good emotional heft in the story writing. Yeah, and it's a great episode. Yeah, and this song this is really uh, it's the one where Lisa it's the one where Lisa becomes yeah. a vegetarian, and it causes a rift between her and her father that is resolved by them accepting each other for and who Lisa they are. McCartney along the way. Yeah, well, in that who's garden on the. Top of the quick yeah. as, as, <laughs> as rooftop quick as mark puts it, rock stars, what can't they do? <laughs> uh, Is but, there anything they can do? <laughs> but um, you know, like yeah, that, that, I feel like this song and its inclusion in that episode serves that episode so well. Mm, it's a good choice, um, you know. But yeah, th- this it, it feels so much better produced than any other song on this album to the point where it sticks out yeah i was just gonna make a point that Mm. i wasn't expecting to hear anything that i recognized based on the first few songs in this album i was like okay this is this is early this is unrefined and then suddenly this brilliant song that i knew started playing and i'm like what (laughs) but when you were (laughs) like i did I, I I had to double check yeah. my sure, yeah. to make sure that we were still on the album. And I'm sure Harry would turn around and sort of his argument now, based on his overall take on this album, will be, "Oh, this is what happened when McCartney pulls his finger out and does some fucking work." <laughs> True. <laughs> we we were talking earlier about it being a standout track, but yeah. why does it stand out? Because it's a point. really well-produced song recorded at Abbey Road in a lo-fi album. Does it belong here? I don't think that's the only reason the song stands out. The reason yeah, I mean, this song it's an amazing stands song. out is because lyrically and musically, it's just sublime. Yeah, I'm not yeah, arguing it, it against that. It is a that. very good song. I, I play this song on guitar. It's an amazingly mm. written song. It's one of the greatest the love songs. Solo is a great laugh to play as well. Yeah. <laughs> I was just trying to say if it was welcome on this album that's really lo-fi. Does mm. it feel like it's slapped on? I'm not trying to argue against how it's a great song. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Oh god! No, I, I feel I, like um, we're getting more and more. Me and Harry here, we're getting more and more towards that. Like, if you want to go on about Beatles moments, that moment in the Let It Be film where Harrison's like, "I'll play whatever you want me to play, whatever makes you happy." Oh, <laughs> poor George. <laughs> uh, but yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, I mean, I, I totally get what you mean. Like, this song yeah, feels it does a, feel bit a bit too out big of place this on this album. Yeah, I'm, I'm simply yeah. asking a question. Like, it's hypothetical. Like, am, am I right in thinking maybe that, or can we forgive it? I can for f- being here. I can totally forgive it, but um, I totally get what you're saying because <laughs> we do talk about albums. Yes, and album is an aesthetic. It's a narrative experience. Yeah. It's a feeling of songs are working in unison. Yeah. Does this song work in unison with the other songs on the album? I'm gonna say just about. I think um, the thing with this one, um, I'm gonna coin this as a phrase. Um, it suffers from Waterloo Sunset syndrome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. But th- this is the next Waterloo sunset, yeah. where like I suppose when we come to like our, you know, two best, one worst, we'll be discussing mm. whether to include this or whether it's a given. Yeah, yeah. But but unlike Waterloo sunset, I mean, it also just has the extra production value. Yeah, like, well, I think Waterloo yeah. sunset still like on the same page as the other songs it's just yeah yeah i mean i'd argue this waterloo sunset again like it feels a lot more tall for want of a better word yeah. um you know it I'm doesn't still humming waterloo sunset to myself <laughs> like, these days <laughs> um nice. i suppose a bit like certain songs on the kinks album um you know some of these songs have a little bit too much flab on them. Whereas Waterloo Sunset and Maybe I'm Amazed feel like proper lean songs. Yeah. You know, um, some of these songs are like Rocky before he's done the training montage. And this is Rocky when he's, (laughs) you know, (laughs) taking a few rounds. (laughs) But um, as I say, it, I, I just feel like it's one of those ultimate kind of love songs because it's not too hammy about it. It's just grounded in a very simplistic sentiment. Yeah, it, it feels very genuine, yeah. I think. Yeah, it's a nice... You get the... I think... What, I think it fits in with this album in some ways because a lot of these songs seem to reflect how in love with Linda yeah. he is. Like from the opening song, which is just obviously Yeah. Like like as 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 Martin mentioned, it was just him testing his equipment, but that's how he chose to yeah, test yeah, exactly. it. Exactly. With a little thing about that. I think and I think a couple of the other songs have reflected that and then this one builds on that with a with a chart topper. Yes. So you know, in terms of whether it belongs on this album Maybe thematically, yes. Musically, it stands out because it's much better. <laughs> but yeah, yeah but that's, that's that's kind of where I'd go a bit with it. Yeah, like it, it, mm. you know, production-wise, yeah, it sticks out 
like you know and sort of fun yeah um, yeah the the album's just a hodgepodge of McCartney at this yeah. moment in time. It sticks out so like an Indian no... at EDL rally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't know if it was like because it was rushed to be out before Let It Be or anything like that. Mm. Um, no, I don't know. I, I get I get yeah. what you're saying. I mean, this was the one like the way I the way I'm, that went to the radio. Way I'm viewing this album. Sorry, the way I'm viewing this album is it's a snapshot of McCartney at yes. this time. Yes, and you, you can't like at the end of the day, it, it comes out how it comes yeah, out. Yeah, exactly. And I think that was his intention with this. This wasn't supposed to be the big commercial hit. This no. was supposed to be his way of saying, "It's his line in the sand," if you want yeah. to call it that. It's his mm. way of saying, "Right, Beatles are dumb." Yeah. Here's my line. I'm on this side of the line yeah. now. And I think in certain it's my, ways... It's my life. In certain ways, it's <laughs> quite pointed in the way it chucks off a couple of like songs that were auditioned for the Beatles um, yeah. and goes, right, that's done. And it should be said, by all accounts, McCartney didn't dust up many Beatles outtakes. I think no. these are the only two full-blown... like. Um, noted inclusions. Yeah. Like, there's nothing on Anthology for many of the previous, like, the latter albums. There's nothing on Ram, for instance, that's on Anthology. No. While some of the other Beatles maybe yeah, lend we some of the weaker into, songs. Yeah, we're tapping into... To let it be. Yeah. yeah. So, for instance, I think Harrison was mining songs that were written in the Beatles era into, well into his second album. Um, and Lennon obviously um, reused uh, a demo called Child of Nature for the Imagine album, um, which was rewritten into the song Jealous Guy. Yeah. So Child of Nature was perfectly good. It just it was at ends with Mother Nature's Son because it was dealing with the same subject. Yeah, yeah, of course. Matter, yeah. Um, so, you know, maybe this is Paul, Paul's way of sort of saying, line drawn. I'm not taking any more Beatles stuff forward from this point on. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, this song is really yeah. well composed. I like the way that he um, delivers it as a love song without yeah. um, relying on tropes so much. Yeah, like I say. I, I like how it's yeah. structured around Absolutely. maybe I'm amazed and the way that the maybe takes the precedence over a strong uh, confidence. Yeah, yeah, that's and it sort of shows how you put yourself in a vulnerable sort of like unknowing position. Yeah, it's got a bit of brittleness in that regard, doesn't it? Mm. Definitely. Yeah, it does touch. It do, it touches on those feelings you have in the early stages of a relationship. Yeah. Which like I said earlier, he's currently in. It works. <laughs> I'm sure Harry will be wow. in agreement with me here. <laughs> That solo fucking rips. As I say, for a man good. who at this point was not acclaimed by any great measure as a lead guitarist, that's up there. <laughs> yeah. But, but I, I think this song really lends itself well to the live audience. Like, yeah. Uh, um, but yes. it's live versions of it, which are absolutely rocking. Yeah. I think better. You're, you're going to put on a Wings of America <laughs> oh, he's, version. He's I'm going to put the Wings of again. America version because I absolutely adore um, that lineup of Wings. Um, oh, okay. 
I put Wing of America there, that was wrong. <laughs> that's probably put out Wing some of America. <laughs> Is that like one of the eagle wings? I, I imagine that's like a really bad Hallmark film. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm not going to play the full song out because why? Why would I? Um, I just want to try and get the solo up. So it'll be Denny Lane mm. who's playing the solo? No. Denny Lane oh, played rhythm now? guitar for Wings. Okay, um, who's the main guitarist? So at this point in time, it's um, Jimmy McCulloch, who oh, um, right. didn't... I was going to say was best known for, but no, he's best known for being in Wings. But um, before Wings, he was probably best known um, as a um, teenage guitarist in the uh, band Thunderclap Newman. Who, oh, yeah. who are best known for the song Something in the Air. Something in the Air, yeah. Um, they were all about it's 15, 16 big Woodstock at the time. song. Yeah. But yeah, all the members of Thunder Club Newman were about 15, 16 at the time. And the song Something in the Air um, was written under a pseudonym uh, by Pete Townsend of The Who. Oh, didn't know that. Got it at the wrong moment in time there. Um, I always think the second solo kicks that a little bit more, so maybe let's put that one on. So, um, <laughs> Denny Lane was rhythm because Pierre, I mean, McCartney wanted to be on piano more in the solo career. Um, and, bass, life. and bass, because obviously, okay. you know, McCartney is the bass man, you know. Yeah, yeah, I guess he just takes a step back from it more in his solo career. Um, but I was going to say, um, with Wings, there's very few occasions where other members move on to the bass. Um, okay. So he's either, with McCartney, he's either playing piano or he's playing bass. And you can get away usually on a lot of the piano songs with not having bass. Yeah. Because you play a root bass note on the piano. Um, uh. But there are songs where um, Denny, for instance, might do a bit of bass work. But it's 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 a rarity. As he gets into his um, McCartney and like his current live show, um, he does tend to recede off from the bass a little bit more. There's um, he has two guitarists, um, and one of them tends to play bass whenever McCartney's on the piano or the lead guitar. So that's a very roundabout answer. Almost <laughs> right. for the solo. It's a good so Definitely a lot more it's such a good solo going on. Yeah, just a lot more yeah. what you call guitar work, if you want to call it that, you know what I mean? Just a lot more um, yeah. 
attention played to uh, techniques like vibrato. Yeah, yeah. I know our audience. I know our audience can't see it, but on the video, you're watching him. He is so focused <laughs> yeah. on his guitar he at the is time. So in the moment, He's, he yeah. really doesn't want to mess it up. <laughs> which, is like, and you know that that tells you how complex it actually is. Um, in many ways, it's one of those. I, I don't want to say it's complex, complex, because um, it's yeah. one of the first solos that I learned. Yeah, same. Okay, um, but it's sort of rooted in a very small area. Yes, it's it follows a very simple yeah. scale as well. Um, maybe maybe he's just nervous. Then I don't know. <laughs> I will say that it's one of those solos that's easy to learn, very difficult to master. Yeah, uh, fair enough. In terms of getting it it's... right, in terms of its tonality. Yeah. Yeah, it's no Bon Jovi solo. <laughs> Let's give it that. <laughs> um, and I thank God it isn't. <laughs> Could you imagine yeah. a, like, a Richie Zambora style guitar solo in the middle of Maybe on the Maze? <laughs> um, I won't play the one it thing that's distinct. Short. Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. One thing that's distinct with like the live version is that McCartney isn't trying to scream so much while the guitar is happening. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As I say, because on the uh, recorded version, he's got the luxury of overdubbing. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Or, or maybe he... More, more of my voice. More. <laughs> Marked up. Um, yeah, sorry, I was just going to very briefly mention, I won't play it because, you know, why play three different versions? Maybe I'm amazed. Um, but um, <laughs> there's a really cool um, version done by Dave Grohl and Nor Jones at the White oh, House yeah, yeah. when they um, gave Obama inauguration thing. When they gave um, McCartney the President's Medal. Oh, yeah, that's it. Yeah, yes. Um, which he basically gives to anyone who makes significant impacts to American culture, uh, society, history. And basically anyone who the American president feels has made an overall contribution to the world. Basically when a president no. just wants to have a private gig. Yeah. So, I mean, other recipients <laughs> um, include Led Zeppelin and Joe Biden. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he didn't award it to himself, to be clear. He was um, obviously Obama's no, no. deputy. <laughs> 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 my first act as president <laughs> is going to be to award the president's medal to myself <laughs> for the services that I have given this country <laughs> can you imagine that it would be brilliant yeah it's more Trump <laughs> I know Trump just goes and tries to pardon himself <laughs> yes. that chill I did doesn't matter <laughs> <laughs> it's done guys it's done it's finished <laughs> you have to quit living in the past <laughs> so it's Nora and Dave like trading vocals isn't it yeah it's, um, like, they take turns quite a and it's a bit seductive version, but yeah it's quite sultry <laughs> mm. um, which I think is just a generalised term for Nora Jones in general there's just something quite sultry about her <laughs> you know a little bit kind of like whiskey bar smokiness I suppose yeah She's got that femme fatale sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, Dave Grohl cites that performance as the time he truly got over his stage right. Oh, nice. Um, as, as he puts it, he was um, waiting backstage to go on and perform uh, that. And he also did Band on the Run with the full Foo Fighters. 
I believe, and Paul McCartney's band. Um, and waiting backstage, like, you know, shitting himself because <laughs> he's about to play in front of Paul McCartney and the president. Um, and that's the moment he says where it clicked for him and he lost all stage fright from that point on at his gigs um, where he went, look, this is the moment as a musician that you die for. You know, to play in front of the president and your musical hero. And I'm going to lose all enjoyment at that moment by shitting myself. <laughs> um, it's like, no, fuck it. Go out, enjoy it. If you fuck it, you fuck it. Um, you know. But yeah, a bit of a side story. Um, yeah, maybe I'm amazed. Epic of a song. Does it belong on this album? I think that's open to debates. Yeah. I mean, we could agree it feels out of place yeah. by how... Uh... Yeah, yeah. As, as, as Wiley said, you could make the argument thematically that this belongs there. Mm-hmm. Um, All right, let's yeah. finish off. Let's is, finish um, the album. Harry, do you mind pronouncing this for me? <laughs> oh, God. That's better than I was going to do um. with it. Yeah, so that is uh, Kreen Akore. Um, is it meant to be like a karaoke yes, sort of like pun? I, I thought it was. I, I don't think karaoke was no, invented the, the, at this moment in time. No, um, the Kreen Akore is a, a tribe. Oh, I was going to say, I, I felt it was an Amazonian okay. connection. Uh, yeah, no, the um, a documentary came out in 1970 about them. <laughs> I have like, and uh, I think Paul McCartney must have seen it and decided right. to to sort of write a pseudo yeah, soundtrack. Yeah, he created. A, he create, <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure it's supposed to emulate like yes. a hunt. Um, um, why that belongs on a on an album of otherwise perfectly no. normal songs, <laughs> I, I, so I don't know. Like it's but, a good kind of piece in regards of it shows the more avant-garde side of McCartney. Yeah, he's he's doing a bit of experimentation, yeah. and like but, I said earlier, like yeah. it's a snapshot. It should be said, yeah, <laughs> of it should what be he's said doing. that the positioning in its track list on the track listing is fucking diabolical. 
<laughs> maybe I'm amazed. Pure and simple should have been the closer. And we could have even maybe, um, I'd argue as well, we might have forgiven maybe I'm amazed and the way it overshadows the album if it was the last track on the album. Because you yeah. go, <clears throat> right, we've had an old album and it's led to this moment. If you get what I mean. Yeah. And you take it as the positive note to end on. I'd argue argue maybe I'm amazed would feel even weirder if it came after this. No, no. (laughs) It was straight swapping. (laughs) But maybe sort of around the sort of segment where um, OU and Mama Miss America sits perhaps might have been. It just feels like a real mid-album track to me. Yeah, I would say the perfect place for Karina Crory is on the cutting room floor. <laughs> you don't I like actually... this. <laughs> no, I, I agree with Wiley. I, I was actually really confused <laughs> that this was on the album because I had a reissue and it came after Maybe I'm Amazed as long with like, the outtakes like Suicide and all that. Yeah. And I just assumed it was another yeah. one of the outtakes. <laughs> I only yeah, realized no, this morning that it's actually on the album. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I know that it's, it's one of these, it, I think on my original vinyl pressing, there's a bit of a gap before the song starts and this almost feels like a pseudo hidden song. Um, mm. yeah, hidden songs are Maybe. lazy on this but with like a CD player going to zero I mean, or something. It's, it's not a hidden song in the greatest sense of it because it is on the printed track list on the back cover. Yeah. Um, but as I say, I, I I like this. I like the fact it's storytelling in a song through sound as opposed to lyric. Um, yeah, no, there's some really interesting, know, some interesting stuff going sound on. Sound effect work. Um, you know, but where does it fit on an album like this? No, it, it no. doesn't. It's um, if, if you're going to do that, you kind of need to like go mm. all in almost and like make it part yeah. of, you know have it tie in with the yeah, album it's one of those like I, I feel it could just about fit if it was positioned around the more scrappy sort of songs yeah um, but as i say just it, it it kills the sort of final momentum that maybe i'm amazed gave the album yeah but anyway, you. No, he, he, he's, he's ended on a high, and the audience have asked for an encore, <laughs> and he's come on with this. <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, anything else to add, guys? No, no, I'm, I'm good. Oh, I just don't like it. <laughs> fair enough. Uh, should we get. <laughs> I think it's a kind of day to day aesthetic with the whole jungle colonial sort of feel. <laughs> it, it's, it's very yeah. weird. Yeah, it's, it's an oddity. <laughs> and there's the breathing part. Mm. I mean, in, yep. in terms of um, sound effects, if you want to call it that, there's definitely worse on Lennon albums. Hmm. I mean, um, I, I'll believe I, you. I don't know what you're alluding to, Bokeh. There's um, a certain track on Double Fantasy that has some sounds that I never want to hear Yoko Ono make again. Oh, okay, yeah. Oh, you really don't like that album. <laughs> Anyway, uh, but yeah, uh, shall we move on to final thoughts? Right, yeah, let's do it. Let's get Harry out um, because we 
I kind of get the impression of where it's going to go and I feel like I might need to sort of be the palate cleanser afterwards. Oh. I love this album. Let's see. It is amazing. Paul McCartney is my favourite Beatle. He is the most daring and musical of the Beatles. And Martin is wrong. Oh. Now, yeah, um, I don't really enjoy this album that much. I feel like it has some highs, but mainly it's just a confusing mixture of songs which are half-baked and... It just feels like it's rushed to be out before Let It Be for me. Like he really wanted to come out of a solo album and be a bit petty in that way. I think there's this uh, conflicting sort of like narrative where it's about McCartney being lonely and sad after the Beatles and one of them making a Mark II, which is also true. But I feel like he's gone about in a way which is a little half-assed and when the other Beatles solo albums are really, really strong. I love All Things Must Pass. I love Plastic Owner Band. There's just a lot of embarrassing content on this, which is like really embolic of McCartney's worst songwriting work on like the White Album and the beginning of Abbey Road, as you were talking about with Maxwell's Silver Hammer. Hammer. Mm. Um, I do like the lo-fi atmosphere, though. And I do think it's interesting that it goes that way. I just wish that he would have brought better songwriting along with it. Yeah. Um, let's go to let's go to Wiley. Go on. Do we want to get scores um, and best and worst from Harry, or do we want to do that? Later? No, let's go around each of us, and then we'll do that. Uh, okay. Um, to me, this album is really scrappy. I think I think there's a hodgepodge of potentially good ideas. Um, one, like Beatles level good song. Uh, a couple that try and are okay, but for the most part, I'm not not a huge fan. I, I think I think for me, it's it's interesting to get into the headspace of Paul McCartney at this moment. Like, I've alluded to that before. Yeah. Um, but it, it is... Yeah, I think in in context, you can certainly make a case for this album being essential listening. Not because it's great, but because it's important to that narrative. If you, you know, if you want the Beatles story, this is... This is really indicative of what was going yeah. on at that time in many ways. Um, but that doesn't make it a good album. So, okay. you know, take, take from that what you will. I, it's, it's certainly very interesting to analyze yeah. uh, from that perspective. So you think it's including like this sort of 1001 albums book because of its relevance to culture more? Uh, yeah, I, like, I can't make a case for including it in the book on how good it is. Uh, but I, I, I think, I, you know, I, not having read the book or I, I think it would be interesting to see what the book had to say about why it was included. Uh, do you need to <laughs> pull that open and have a look very quickly? Oh, yeah, yeah, no, you can yeah. do if you want. I was, I was just saying, like, I, I think, I think I agree with Harry. That's probably why they put it in there. Um, yeah, there's probably a good call as to that. In mm. the, um, 
yeah, I imagine, you know, this made a big like impact on the musical world for being the first like really big solo album. And it would yeah. have inspired like the direction of people afterwards. Yeah, so in regards in that sense to too. Um, artists who were in bands and then went solo. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and it gave the possibility of that also. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so this is um, the um, review. I'm just going to double check the name of the viewer because I don't ever put the full name on the actual thing. You have to like um, check a contributors list first for the initials. Um, yeah. So it's uh, D-E, which is Daryl Easley, who was the former deputy editor of Record Collector magazine. Um, okay. So yeah, he said, uh, although for years shunned and tweeted that, uh, sorry, it's difficult with the microphone position <laughs> trying to read this. Um, <laughs> okay, although for man. years shunned and treated as the devil's plastic for ostensibly shattering the Beatles' dream, Paul McCartney's first solo album is never less than charming. While Lennon and Harrison were busy making their points and Ringo was busy recording pub sing-alongs, McCartney released this naive <laughs> template for his solo wow. career. Some blinding songs, some stone doodled, <laughs> some stoned doodles, and some frankly embarrassing tosh. Recorded during the end of 1969 at home in London St. John's Wood, McCartney feels wistfully undercooked, a deliberate reaction to the smooth veneers of the Beatles' swan song Abbey Road. After all the recent tension of working with the group in the studio, here McCartney works alone, overdubbing on the f his Studer four-track recorder with a lone microphone. The album is full of the touches that both enthrall and infuriate about McCartney. His two Beatles leftovers display these extremes perfectly. Whereas Junk is wistful, poetic, and vivid, Teddy Boy is painfully silly. However, the whole album rests in the shadow of Maybe I'm Amazed, which arrives late and effortlessly demonstrates just how much of an architect of the Abbey Road sound he was. A mature adult love ballad it is possibly his finest song ever. Uh, released in 1970, the album released, uh, received sniffy reviews from the media, but quickly topped the American charts and reached the runner-up position in the UK. Uh, with its symbolic cover and the snapshots of his new family, McCartney was not so much a willful post-fab nose-thumbing as a manifesto of his intent and catalogue for his new life. Oh, that's fair enough. So kind of what we said. like It's, it's, it's a hodgepodge of greatness and utter yes. tosh yeah. it's very well <laughs> so, written yeah um so yeah um yeah i, I think and honestly if anything's going to unify our reactions it's gonna Probably, be that yeah. review <laughs> it's it's co it's covered everything we've said in a nice way that says our opinions can yes. coexist um it's nice yeah. let's learn about mine yeah so my views um i go on reveal your Before cards martin <laughs> deep diving this was going to be a nine um, in terms of like, like before we like went, you know, when we picked this album out last Friday, like I looked at that title come up and I was like, bam, easy nine. Do you play a song? I mean, mm. play this album a lot. Like you own it. And I own it. And I've got to say, um, it's in my top three McCartney solo albums. Okay. Um, and I include Wings output in that as well. Um, you know, for me, there's like a kind of um, holy trinity in terms of like McCartney's 70s work, at least, um, where it's McCartney, Ram, and Band on the Run. 
Um, okay. And then I know you've got a soft spot for McCartney too. <laughs> the uh, second self-produced and self-recorded McCartney album. Yep. Uh, anyway, but yeah. back to your feelings. Um, <laughs> but as I say, I think a bit like McCartney 2 and a bit like McCartney 3 to maybe a lesser extent, it's charming to me in its naivety. Yeah. I mean, that that's lifted straight from the thing we just read, but yes. <laughs> I, I, I would have said that anyway. <laughs> no, no, I agree. As soon as he said it, I was like, that is exactly yeah, it has the word its to charms, describe it. And that's why I like so, it. Um, mm. You know, at, especially at this point as well, it's very unusual for a big name, as big a name as it gets, to peel back the mask like this. You know, mm. this is the man who above all musicians at this point in time is known for being layered known for being smooth and polished and suddenly you've got you know really rough tracks and tracks that are totally undercooked um you know and there's a real feeling of just a man in the studio throwing everything up against the wall and just seeing what sticks um, and there's something a little bit refreshing to that. It feels like it's like, you know, the Beatles were the main course. This is like the little kind of, you know, chocolate cheesecake in a coffee. <laughs> was it one of the candies that were stolen? <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> Hush down there. <laughs> we'll get to you in a moment. <laughs> but no, um, as I say, to me, it just... It, it, it just feels charming it, it you know um it shows a lot of the promising signs that will come along you know later in the wings career so you know you've got your mellotron starting to come in there you've got harmony starting to come in there um but you've also got the worst of rings starting to come in as well it has to be said where he gets hammy um and a bit undercooked mm. but it sets its stall out in a very simple way for things that will become complex down the line. Um, that's just, that's my view. So are you still at nine after that? Um, yeah, I was, you... well, was going to go to scores anyway, so I might as well start with mine. I'm going to say an eight. An eight. Oh, fair enough. Well, um, I'll, I'll go next. Martin has argued me up to a six. Where were you beforehand? Which doesn't sound particularly high, but I was considering five, maybe even four. But, you know, Martin made some very good points, so I think six is fair. Go on then, Harry. We're waiting for it. <laughs> Go on, shatter everyone. Piss all over it. Um, while well, I say McCartney isn't, you know, my favourite Beatle solo-wise, I-, I do actually like a lot of his albums. I like McCartney too, as you mentioned. I like Flaming Pie. I like Tug of War. There's, I like the new one. I feel like there's a lot of other McCartney albums that maybe deserve to be on this list. Um, and I just don't see why this one is on it. I, I, apart from the cultural relevance of a Beatle going solo and getting a bit vulnerable and lo-fi. It does have charm, but it's also got a lot of weak songs. Yeah. No, I mean, I'd, I'd wholeheartedly <laughs> agree that this could have been replaced by a better McCartney album. Um, my nomination for that would be yeah. Ram. 
it's only one album along the line um and i feel it does quite a lot of the stuff that mccartney the album does but more polished and more considered okay in my view i would have waited if i was mccartney and combined parts of ram and parts of this together yeah but as i say i my personal view is i quite like the idea that you know as a story um you know this is a man who was dejected you know finds love again finds music again and feels a need to rush it out because he's reconnecting with the things that fuel him yeah he's fun he's enjoying yeah, music yeah. he's again, enjoying music and he's enjoying life You know, and it's a bit of a hell bent for leather attitude, and in some ways, it's a bit of a punk move. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, well, yeah. A lot of the songs are quite short. Like, um, I mean, the, more, the I mean, more in sort of terms of the attitude. Well, no, no, no. no I, I, because he's sort I of just putting just out whatever and saying, "I don't care." You know, if it's a commercial hit, yeah. it's a commercial hit. If it isn't, it isn't. You know, we saw the Q and A that he said beforehand. Yeah. But the important thing is, yeah, it's exactly. Mine. You know, I think you definitely you sound mine. like a punk to the rest of the Beatles. Shipping <laughs> <laughs> out for Let It Be and blowing up in front of Ringo's face <laughs> about Teddy Boy. Yeah. What's your score, Harry? Stop being coy. My score is four. Yeah, I could have called that. Yeah. Okay. Um, Harry, um, stop you. Uh, best two, worst one. And I feel like he's uh, going to slug off a few songs along the way. What were we going to um, talk about? Maybe I'm amazed. Yeah, we need to, we need to make a decision about maybe I'm amazed. Oh, okay. okay. Uh, that puts me in an awkward place. <laughs> I, I like Maybe I'm Amazed a lot, but I feel like it shouldn't be on this album. Um, if we talk about albums, because this is the Album of the Week podcast. Yes. And... I don't feel like it goes along with the theme of it. So I, I don't think it is the best McCartney album song. Um, I'll put Junk and Every Night in instead. Right. I think Junk is a beautiful song. Okay. Um, and I think Every Night is, yeah, perfect little Paul McCartney pop song. Even though it borrows from <laughs> that other song I mentioned. <laughs> and as for worst uh, worst oh you know what it's going to be Teddy Boy of course but also I thought that last song was an outtake so <laughs> I could argue for Kalina Corley uh, okay let's go to Wiley uh, so best two obviously maybe I'm amazed why anyone would not put <laughs> it in their top two is completely okay. beyond um, me i'll tell you what i feel like we're all gonna name me amazed and I've, i know we said we can include it we'll include it but everyone can have a third pick which um harry's essentially okay. done anyway yeah i right, cheated that's, that's yeah, fair the system, really. <laughs> and then plus i yeah, can so then turn around amazed, to harry and obviously. go you picked three good songs and you only gave it a four you twat <laughs> yes as an album uh, not individual uh, i know songs. i'm kidding i'm kidding <laughs> 
I know you two weren't a big fan of it, but I am going to say, man, we was lonely. It's I say it's it's, it's another the sort one. of McCartney that I thought maybe you'd get into, to be honest with you, because it has that sort of McCartney and Wings feel. Yeah, it's 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 very basic, yeah. and I think I think I like basic music. Yeah. Um, while I I think more often I've been yeah. appreciating complexity. But often I'm often I'm a fan of just a simple tune yeah. that you can pop I mean, your head to. Sort of, perhaps you know, it's a maybe a pre-indicator for songs that could be divisive in the Wings kind of catalogue, like yeah. "Let Me In" or "Silly Love Songs." Yeah, and and I get I I know in my head it's not the best song on there, <laughs> but it's no, the one that say, you, I enjoy what you like. More, you know. So I get. I get, yeah. I get to choose it. Okay, so um, second. And one. since we're allowed a third one, I'm going to go completely off the rails and say the lovely Linda. Ooh, okay. It's a really so, nice yeah, opening yeah. It's, 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 for the album. And it's it, jaunty, yeah. It, yeah, it really puts it really puts you in the headspace yeah, for this album. Yeah, it sets I the think. stall out in terms of its themes. Yeah, and if we if we're going along the Harry route of. Uh, our, our best songs have to be have to belong in the album. <laughs> no song belongs on this album more than the lovely. That is true. Why so, not? Good point. <laughs> uh, my my worst one is Mama Miss America. Okay. Like at, at the time, it was like I said, it's a bit of a cacophony of instruments, and I'm not sure what he's doing yeah, with that's it. A so. fair point. It's a terrible title as well. <laughs> <laughs> what was he thinking there? Okay. Um, yeah. yeah. So my best two slash three, uh, maybe on May's top of the pile. No surprise there. Just mm-hmm. an absolutely glorious ballad um, that doesn't over egg it. You know, it's it's perfectly absolutely. restrained, and that's what I love about it. But it still has that bombast as well, especially on the solo. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, um, as for the other two, uh, Junk and also uh, Every Night. I just feel like they're, McCart- they're peak McCartney as as yeah. the song. So you, you and Harry have the yeah. same three uh, and I know what, top songs. Harry's probably going to turn around and go, wait a second, you know, you're know, you ultra praising this album, yet you've chosen the three that are most classic McCartney. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> But you know, as I say, they are the standouts. Um, and but yeah. I'm not as overly critical as the songs that you guys have probably been overly critical of. Um, nah, yeah, however, plus you have the nostalgic value. Yeah. However, "Man, We Was Lonely" can fuck right off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's McCartney yeah. at his absolute hammiest. Um, Welcome to the dark side. So, nah, you know what? I think I'd like a bit of ham. Let's yeah. That's that is that's I me mean, through and it's through. Not, it's not even like it's not I'll even like honest. the ham you I'll get from honest. a butcher. Been... This is canned ham. No, the canned ham. <laughs> spam ham from a can. <laughs> yeah, I mean we we've mentioned that like I, I'm quite a big fan of ABBA. ABBA are nothing but ham in many ways. And I'll, I'll 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 admit to that. Uh, but yeah, um, but it's it's good ham. <laughs> Any um, other things to add, or shall we pick out next week's album? Let's go. Bruce Springsteen did it better. 
Okay. <laughs> so, um, any sort of preferences? I know, like, we're sort of calling out, really, for a bit of um, a female representation. I know that's been a bit of a sort of running yeah, thing. It, it feels like... We're a bit um, overdue on that. bit obvious to keep saying yeah, it every episode. I know, I know. And female artists. And very optimistic, too. Yeah. So, it feels like we shouldn't keep... I'd like to see some 90s or... I don't think we've had a 90s album yeah. yet. Um, we had Eels, didn't we? 80s. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I, I like a more mainstream 90s <laughs> album. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't mind seeing something that's pure pop. Abs- yeah, I, yeah, I could go for some pure you know, pop. Um, <laughs> I mean, it depends what you want to classify as pop, if you get what I mean. But like early Beatles, you know, where's pop? Coke, Sprite, Fanta. <laughs> Maybe, maybe no, not no, no, the Beatles. I'm just using that, that as a would, sort of think, example. Uh, what I'm trying to say is more, <laughs> when I say pure pop, I'm not saying, I'm saying more down that route than the Madonna, mm. like a virgin era, you know. Oh, that'd be great. <laughs> I could do that. Okay. I thought you meant more Michael Jackson. So. <laughs> All right, 423. For some reason, my, my head went to Spice Girls, so. <laughs> oh, Okay. What are we it looking at? It is a proper rock album. Proper oh, rock. proper rock. Is that another subgenre? So, so this is prop rock instead of prop <laughs> hard rock. rock. <laughs> <laughs> hard rock. Um, okay. It is ACDC. Mm. Highway to Hell. Ooh. Nice. I like that song. I like this album. <laughs> yeah. I mean... <laughs> And that's the difference between me and these two. <laughs> I've heard of the song, they know an album. Oh, God. Um, getting a bit of luck in these drawers all of a sudden, for me. Like, that's two on the bounce for me that I really already yeah. know and I really like. So, <laughs> I'm laughing. Mm. Yeah. This is one I've actually owned. <laughs> maybe maybe you know most of the albums in this book. We just had, we just got really unlucky yeah, before. Um <laughs> But as I say, like, yeah. yeah, it just feels like I'm, I'm in the right rub of the green. <laughs> um, yeah. And j- ACDC, yeah, yeah, as I say, just to, to be perfectly clear, brilliant. like, you guys have just literally seen me make the draw. I've not, like, set that up in any way whatsoever. No, no. Although when people say that on, like, TV shows like, and stuff, I yeah, instantly did, get you, suspicious yeah. of them. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, yeah, um... <laughs> Like it's 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 such a Darren Brown move to yeah, say yeah. that, you know. It's, it's like any magician who goes, "Trust me, guys, this is totally legit." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How convenient. Yeah. I mean, it, it always comes across a bit yeah. like Paul McCartney's acting. <laughs> <laughs> but but really, like half of the albums on this would be ones that you'd be happy yeah. with. Um, I mean, very tiniest bit of context. Mm. Uh, this is the final album with original lead singer Bon Scott. Because uh-huh. um, so, it's back in black after. Yes. So this is sort of seen as the high point of the Bon Scott era. 1979. What year is this? 79. Yeah, okay. pretty um, early on with our sound. It's definitely 79. Just want to check it's definitely 79, not 78. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is, yeah, very early 79, by looks things. Because the previous cool. the previous was 78, so yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, first yeah. Australian bands. Um, trying to think, however many, how many uh, notable ones there are. Uh, I suppose you got um, the the birthday party. 
Mm-hmm. Um, Nick Cave. He's Australian, isn't he? Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds, yeah. yeah. Um, in Excess. If you go more modern, I'm sure Tame and Parlour will show up. Oh, yeah, they're Australian, aren't they? Yeah. I always think... Kylie Minogue. <laughs> Get out. <laughs> um, I always I think contributed. Tame and Parlour for some reason. I think they just have that kind of stone blist vibe. Ah, <laughs> oh, okay. I just think there's a big scene in Australia at the moment. Like yeah, bands yeah. like King Gizzard and Lizard Wizard. I was going to say, yeah, King Lizard. Um, Pond as well. So, uh, yeah, it's... it's um, oh, God, what's the name of the band? It's just been lost on me. Um, no, nah, I've, I've lost it. <laughs> um, I think they're called like Swim or something like that. Don't you mean Pond? No, no, no. Oh, God. Oh, okay, uh, just water vibe yeah i know um god uh it comes up if i type in probably not no no seems to think i want to listen to the suite (laughs) um crowded house were oh yes of course yeah crowded house it's uh, probably a better shout than any of the shouts we've already made (laughs) like they're pretty big sellers Um, yeah definitely you know and some good songs for for what it's worth as well um, but yeah so join us next week where we'll be discussing probably the ultimate Australian band of all time ACDC and their album Highway to Hell uh, this has been the album of the week podcast uh, join us next week um, and it should be said um, if you enjoyed what you heard for some absurd reason uh, please do like us on Facebook at the album of the week club and tell your friends you know give us a shout you know and you know, if you didn't like us, tell someone you don't like. Yeah, tweet about it. If 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 we don't get any extra listeners as a result of that, we're going to assume that you don't have yeah. friends. Yeah, there you go. A little loser. <laughs> <laughs> you little loser. <laughs> go tell your friends. If this little um, divert is making you mad maybe tell us about it on our twitter too at the album of the week club yeah uh, so yeah i've been Miles mcdonald oh actually yeah, album join. of week club <laughs> and There's what no are your ver- opinions on mccartney the yeah, album please do let us know um, are you a martin or a harry <laughs> i'm assuming most people will be hoping they're neither yeah no that's probably just agree with me like slap bang in the middle just yeah it's all right no? we're just two um we're two absolutely yeah, yeah. crazy Beatles maniacs yeah. of difference so yeah hopefully hopefully next week it doesn't uh, come to verbal blows <laughs> uh, yeah so yeah um, i'm Mars mcdonald join me next week um i'll hand over to you guys uh yeah i'm david thank you for listening uh yeah what he said <laughs> I'm Harry. Um, thanks for listening to. This has been a very long podcast, hasn't it? It has indeed. Hope you've stuck yeah. around until I said goodbye. And goodbye for the third time. <laughs>